From the belt to the plate, a swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Smith parks one into right down the line. It may go! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game by the score of three to two, and a home run by the Wizard. Swinging it along one into left field. Adios, goodbye, and maybe that's the winner. A three-run homer by Clark, and the Cardinals lead by the score of seven to five, and they may go to World Series on that one, folks. What a team! What a ride! The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. Welcome to That's a Winner Podcast. I am Ryan Jenkins, and with me is Josh Brown and Kyle Peach. Let's get right into it, boys, and talk about the seven-game winning streak. I think since the last time we were on air was the trade deadline the night before, or the night, night of, after, right? And yeah. since then, the Cardinals have rattled off seven wins, sweeping the, Car- the Cubs in a doubleheader and sweeping that, and then sweeping the Yankees for the first time ever in St. Louis Cardinals history. So let's get right into it. What were your biggest takeaways? You know, we can talk about the weekend or just the seven-game stretch in general, Josh. Yeah, I mean, another seven-game winning streak well, that I got to be at live. The last time I was at one last year was that, that Padres game that uh, O'Neill had the big home run in the eighth inning, and that wound up being a sweep for us as well. Um, wild game yesterday, man. Uh, longest game at Bush Stadium history, and it felt like it. Believe me, I was there. <laughs> it was hot. You got a little pocket of rain in a couple innings, which was actually kind of nice because it was so hot. Um, but, man, it was a long game, and it was a good one. I mean, as soon as the Yankees went up 4-1, I'm like, oh, it might be one of those days because Wainwright, he just didn't have it. The umpire was not helping him at all, which we can talk about that a little bit. That was one of the worst called games ever this year that I've seen on the MLB scorecard Twitter account. Um, actually in our favor, which is right. – I'll take it. But there was some – I was shocked it was that swayed. Yeah, but there was, there was some big moments both ways. It was awful, but – Man, just a fun game. We never win slugfest like that. I can't even remember the last time that we won a game like that. But to sweep the Yankees on the weekend, I mean, that was a, that's a highlight from the week, right? I mean, we we wanted to see that with the Cubs. We were hoping to see it. Double headers are hard to sweep. Right. They, they managed it uh, and just got on a roll against the Yankees. And look, you're going to have people say, well, they didn't have Stanton. They didn't have Anthony Rizzo. You didn't have to face Garrett Cole. Yes. Like, I will concede, obviously, those are big parts of their team. It helps out. Still the Yankees. They're still one of the best teams in baseball this year. They've still been winning a lot of games. So it, you're not going to find too many complaints from me for the weekend. I mean, it was just a great weekend overall. Yeah, I mean, can you, uh, you know, you think about the Cardinals and the Yankees, the history, history of those two franchises. I saw there was 30% of all World Series winners ever were that part of that series. So, what, 20, 38 of 117, I think, total World Series. And I think if you look at how many they've been played in, there's 50 of the 117-ish World Series played were between those two franchises. And for the Cardinals to never have ever swept them and be able to do so in very different ways, from a 1-0 to a, what, 12-9, I think, or 12-8, whatever the, the other one was, yeah. all over the board, do you think that you owe uh, John Mazalak uh, an apology for his trade deadline? Yeah, that was the topic today on a lot of the 101 <laughs> ESPN radio. I heard some mic drops on that. Look, okay. I still think it's a little too early to call. We're only 11 innings in total to Quintana and Montgomery. First time around, though, they look great. I know Quintana, 
Uh, they more so, I, I think they pulled him more out of just wanting to let him have a good start. He had given up the home run the first inning, not much after that. Uh, Montgomery, we both were like, why is he out after five innings, yeah. 83 pitches? Came out later, he had, I think, leg cramps is what I saw. Something to do with the heat, he, which is... He was not used to that. Yeah, which which is, you know, understandable. Uh, but he looked great, shutting out his his old team for five innings um, in a close ball game. So, yeah, I mean, it, Wainwright said it. You know, he said that, you know, one, you never like to lose a guy like Bader, obviously. Clubhouse favorite, good guy. But the pitchers that Mo went and got, and Marmol said this too. Marmol, he said um, it wasn't just going to get guys. It was going to get the right guys. And they think Quintana's a fit. Wainwright said he should have been a Cardinal years ago, he thought. Uh, Montgomery's clearly a fit. And, and I mean, that that trade on the Yankees' end, the national media, their fan base for sure has just yes. been railing them for that trade. They're uh, because they're no, upset. Nobody, he wasn't mentioned in trade, you know, trade talks at all. Nobody knew that he was even remotely available because he was their number three. Right. And then they got Montes, and then we beat him as well. Yeah. Kyle, what do you, I mean, do you think, you know, I don't know your take on the uh, Soto deal part of it, to be honest, but, uh, you know, do you think that Cardinals Nation in general owes Mo an apology? Because I think there's a lot of upset fans. Um, that, you know, Soto isn't a Cardinal, but it looks again that John Mozalock has pushed the right buttons at this point uh, to get the Cardinals where they need to be. Well, I think it's like like Josh said, I think it's too early. Yeah, it's a great start. Remember, Mike Schilt had a 17-game win streak at one point shortly after being named the skipper of this ball club. And then, uh, honestly, toward the end, I, I couldn't get him out of there quick enough. So uh, it, it, it it's a great start. Will it continue? And I think the, the million-dollar question that remains to be answered is which Cardinals team is it going to be down the stretch that plays? Is it the seven-game win streak, sweep the Cubs, sweep the Yankees team? Or is it going to be the team that struggles to beat the Pirates and the Reds? I, I think that's the million-dollar question. I think what we have answered is this team does have the talent to compete at that World Series, deep playoff run, caliber type of team. I think this team can be that. Will it be? Can it sustain that? And, and Folks, we're, we're now in a pennant chase. We're now in a division race that is going to go, I'm afraid, right down to the wire, and that last two weeks of the season could be something special. So let's go back to that, I guess, a little bit. Do we think this is actually going to be a chase? The Cardinals have the easiest uh, remaining schedule in all of baseball. The Brewers are like 14th most difficult. So, you know, there's 30 teams. So right in the middle of the most difficult schedule or the easiest schedule, whichever way you want to look at it. And the Cardinals have the easiest the rest of the way. In honesty, the Cardinals should run away with it. They should. they should, and I'm just looking now here. Our next 23 games, only six of those 23 games are against teams with a winning record. Right. Six. This should be, it should be, one of the best Augusts in Cardinal history this month. With, with, where, with how we're playing right, right now, the teams are about to go up against. Now, look, we're going to Colorado. That's a wild card. You know, the, I mean, obviously, one of our starters, maybe more, are bound to get rocked in that, in that park, but you know, after what we saw our offense do yesterday, there's no reason we can't do it either, especially in Colorado. I I think Nolan, I think Arnado's going to have a big series this time around. I know he didn't have a huge one his first time back there last year. The way he's playing right now is otherworldly, and we can get into his numbers later. But, yeah, the schedule, man, I mean, it favors us big time. You've got three at Rockies, um, three back at home against the Brewers is coming up weekend, which is going to be big in, in terms of what you said, Kyle, whether, whether it goes down to the stretch or not, I think it might determine – this week and this weekend, those three games we have against them. But then you've got the Rockies again at home. You've got three at the Diamondbacks, five again at Chicago. I wish we'd get five at Bush no Stadium. Kidding. 
but five at Chicago still, even with how the Cubs are playing. Uh, three against the Braves after that, and then we wrap up the month against the Reds at Cincinnati. So, look, this month is huge. I think this week is big, especially these three games against the Brewers. And they've got three against Tampa Bay starting tomorrow. And we saw earlier yes. this season, Tampa Bay is no pushover right. over in that division. And the way they've been playing right now, I mean, they are reeling. If, and if that bullpen can't get it together, they are they are really in trouble. And Tampa is also kind of going the other direction kind of as well, and they need to win. They have they, the same record as the Brewers right yeah, now. Yeah, they need to to get wins as well to stay in their chase. You know, could could this could this series, I mean, could it have gone any better? I mean, when you look at it, I mean, Wainwright only pitched four plus, right? Um, uh, Montgomery only pitched five plus, I do believe. And then uh, Quintana got Six. I think he got through six, six. Yeah. So I guess it could have gotten better because your starting pitcher still didn't go as deep as you may wanted. Um, but could the weekend have gone any better than it did? I I don't think so. I mean, Cal, you speak to that because for me, right off the bat, Friday was was Hudson. When we won that game, I was like, I mean, we might have it. We for sure have a shot at winning the series, right? But what do you think, Cal? Well, I I, I agree. I, I think it was a great. Uh, I don't think it could go much better. I mean, you won seven games, so I I I don't think it could go any better. Uh, I get what your point is. You know, the pitchers, the starters could go deeper. I, I do want to point out, you know, we talk about the easy schedule. And, yes, the Cardinals are set up to succeed the best of any team in baseball down the stretch in terms of the schedule. But the, as you guys both know, the most maddening thing for me about Cardinal baseball through the last decade plus is – we seem to rise to the occasion when we play teams like the Yankees, but when we play teams like the Pirates, the Reds, the Cubs, we just lose our mind and, and we play down to that level of competition. You talk about, uh, you know, I heard Josh go through that August schedule. A lot of those games are on the road. We're 25 and 28 on the road this season. We have a losing a record on the road. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like it's easy. It's supposed to be the easiest, but this is a team that historically, I think, doesn't play well against teams that they should beat, and this year, we're not getting it done on the road. So I'm a little, little hold off on judgment about uh, how good we've got it down the stretch here. Well, yeah, you, you bring that up about playing up to the, the competition or playing down. Katie Wu today, friend of the show, said that she felt the energy in the clubhouse for this series differently than she has all year. And she said it, it was reminded her of last year's 17-game win streak. She felt that difference. Now, I asked that in saying, is it because of Yadier Molina being back in the clubhouse? Uh, because I don't know if you saw the, about Gallegos and what he said to Gallegos, and he said, you know, throw the effing ball and get Judge out, and he took control of the situation. And I think if Kisner or Herrera or even Romine is back there, he's not telling uh, Gallegos that, and, you know, I could see him giving up a home run to Aaron Judge, and we're talking about a different series. But, you know, how much of that has been because Yachty is back in the clubhouse, and what did that change? Because you can look at it as since the All-Star break, I mean, since the trade deadline, the Cardinals are undefeated. Cardinals are undefeated since Yachty has been back in the fold as well. Yeah, I mean, he's been a huge part of that. Arnado, yeah, Arnado said it just like you said. I mean, um, and he said, you know, that the pitchers are great that we got, but I think that Yachty being back has really helped step up the leadership. He, I mean, and that's what Yachty brings because he's not doing it. He's just not doing it with the bat anymore. He's just not. I think he can, he can get a clutch hit still every once in a while. I, I don't hate it when he's up with runners in scoring position, though more lately it feels like he's either going to, Maybe get a hit or hitting a double play, I like the first or second pitch. Um, I always feel confident he's going to hit the ball. He's not yes, going to strike out. He's usually, I always, <laughs> yeah, he's going to put the ball in play, but maybe uh, on the first pitch. But 
but when he threw that first runner out in the Cubs, the first game of the Cubs series, I mean, oh, yeah, you know that that too. I mean, th- that brings a swagger, yes. especially for your fielders, for the pitchers. Like, all right, I can I can bounce one in the dirt, and Yachty's going to get it. You know, like and and that that's huge for the pitching staff. And yes, what he said to Gallegos was huge because we've seen that this year with Gallegos. He hasn't been the sharpest at times. He's he's blown some games. He's let some innings get away and things unravel. And Yachty was just like, nope, we're not going to do that. And so. I think he's been huge. But to Kyle's point earlier, last year, right, it was June. I think it was like the worst June in yes. Cardinals history. Yeah, it was We won rough. nine or ten games. I was looking back on that. Thirteen of those losses that month, teams under 500, Reds, Indians, Cubs, Tigers. If you remember, we got swept two games by the Tigers yeah. that month. We almost got swept. We lost three or four to the Pirates toward the end of that month. So to your point, Kyle, yeah, that's been a thing these last couple of years, man. It's like we played down to the competition. And I don't understand it. I just don't get it. You know, it's like it's like Cubs. I and mean, that's a different, right? It's, it's a rivalry. Those games are usually close no matter how bad they are. They're always fun. But that that is maddening. And that has been a real thing the last year or two, especially last year. It was like we just played down to the competition. So that cannot happen the rest of this month if we want to take off uh, like we saw them take off last September. I think, too, it's it goes to, you know, looking back at how long the Cardinals have, have struggled against playing down to that level of competition. I think that may be in part why you don't have Mike Matheny or Mike Schilt as your manager anymore. I mean, you've got to have a manager that can motivate your players to beat the teams you got to beat, not just to get hyped up and amped up about the teams that you think are going to provide you a challenge. So, so that may be a marmol question in his first year here down this stretch. Can he keep this team motivated? And, you know, you talk about did Mo succeed at the trade deadline? You know, I, I think if nothing else with all of the names of Cardinal players, especially the young crew that, that came up as possible trade considerations in that Soto deal, you know, a, a side effect of that is potentially proving to them to be a reality check. Look, we're willing to get rid of you if you don't step up and show us that you're a guy that we want to keep around for a very long time. Uh, you know, we could we could trade you, and you may not be here anymore. And, and so maybe that's a little bit of a motivational factor too, plus the level of competition, plus the fact you're at home and you're you're in that race for the division title, and, and let's be honest here, it, it may be the division title are out uh, for the Central Division this year. So, uh, you know, let's take that into consideration as well as a possible contributing factor to the seven-game success. Yeah, I will say, too, um, just with, with Marmol, I think one thing I've, I've noticed, especially the, the end of July and even the early part this last week, um, that's different, I think, than Matheny or Schilt. Uh, you didn't see a, a getaway lineup yesterday on Sunday, right? He they, was they were trying I mean, to win the game. Donovan and DH and batting second. We were talking about that. It was a little. I didn't really get that. Maybe they were just trying to get him going. But uh, Nolan, Goldschmidt, Yachty. Yachty played all three games this weekend. We knew he was going to catch Wayno yesterday. Uh, but Arenado, Goldschmidt, um, all the regulars. None of them had an off day this week. Goldschmidt and Arenado played both of those games with the doubleheader. Now. A little bit of difference than what Schilt or, um, you know, Matheny have had in years past, the DH. So you did have in that doubleheader, I think, one of each of those games you had either Goldschmidt or Arnado get, get at least a little time off the field and they only DH'd, which is great. Um, but I like that, especially come August. Like, these are the games now. These guys need to be playing. You had a couple of days off this week. You had a day off today. 
They need to be they need to be in there every day. And I love that he threw out his best lineup. He's like, we've got a chance to sweep the Yankees. We're going to go for it. And I loved it. Yeah, Kyle, what do you have to say about, I mean, that part of it? I mean, um, it's rare, I think, in, in this year and years past that they actually are going for a sweep. And sometimes we even said, what is up with this schedule? I mean, do you think that is because it's the Yankees? Like, we're talking about playing up to it? Or is this uh, because they felt like it's, we need to really win this series? Well, I, I think you get to the second half, too, and hopefully that switch has flipped for the second half of the season. Uh, we're past the All-Star break. It is crunch time. It is time to get up and get moving. Uh, and so we hope that that's the case. I mean, adding to the fact that the to show that the Cardinals played to win, uh, you know, you saw Helsley out there for two innings in the final game of the series. You saw him pitch against the Yankees in the other game of the weekend, too. So, you know, you're using your players as you would want them to be used as, as part of a, a pennant chase type team. So, uh, yeah, I, I credit Marmol and the staff for, for playing the win. Sometimes I get a little aggravated when I tell we're not doing that, especially in games that are winnable down the stretch. So good to see that out of them. And, and uh, a podcaster uh, reality check here, guys. I've got a broken air conditioner at my house. And I got to go meet a guy to hopefully get that fixed so I don't sweat to death tonight. So I'm going to have to bug out early on you, but uh, I'll be watching important. and listening down the stretch. So That's, a, that's um, all right. Well, we, uh, we also have another guest to bring on. So perfect. There time. you go. Good yeah, job. Right. Pretty important. Listening, guys. Would, all right. I would take care of that. Yeah. Thanks, See you, Kyle. Yeah. Keep them going. All right. Well, so we're also going to bring on right now. The other guest is Dan Buffa, the great film Buffa. You can follow him on Twitter at... Oh, wow. Buffa eighty two, <laughs> Dan. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you, you and Josh have met before, if you remember or don't remember. Josh <laughs> is a sweet angel of a man. I, I, it's been a few blogger years ago. I missed you this he's, year at Blogger Day. He's, I know, and I really wanted to go because for a little while there, you know, if you were trying to get credentialed, you couldn't be a blogger, and and now I, I have thankfully returned to the land of just being a loud, a loud mouth in the city with a, with a website. <laughs> And a few readers making everybody mad. So, yes, next year, Josh, I'll be there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. And I'm asking Mo two buckling questions. First thing is, do you, what is your real favorite pizza at California Pizza Kitchen? <laughs> Second, you know, why do you talk like this so much? Why? I mean, where, where do you get that from, man? I want a Mosaic origin tale. Who plays John Mosaic in a movie? That that's makes a, my that's head a, hurt. That's a fun question right there. That's a yeah. that's a great question under your under your followers, especially with Sear and Hines, maybe. But he <laughs> he'd have to really rock the accent. I don't know. He just kind of reminds me of Mo a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he's not as funny. Like well, we somebody would have to shadow Mo for like for, for a few months to get right, the mannerisms come on. down. Don't mind Michael, he's folding laundry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it uh this year Blogger Day was my first time, and I think that Mo was more candid than I'd ever seen oh, him yeah, than I've man. ever experienced. He's, he sounds very transparent. I think he's getting into that. I don't give a shit kind of. Matter. I was. I said the same there, thing. I think is he's there like, language a lot in this podcast? Language? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, it doesn't Baseball matter. Baseball language. Ba- <laughs> well, oh no, but yeah, he he just seems like he's being more straightforward. I think in the past he's been a little facetious about what he gives you, what he doesn't give you, and I think this year he's like, I don't care anymore. You know, he's like, look, I had yeah, he probably he was almost going to say I had a double cheeseburger and. And a drive through last night. I've been on the phone all day, but I think he's getting into that stage of his career where he's really kind of not caring as much about how he frames answers. He's just going to give us the truth, but and hopefully in more pursuits. But the truth too is, it's, it, it is fun to have candid Mo. 
Yes. Uh, and I even said the th- same thing. I think that he's just kind of like, I don't give a shit anymore. Like, you know, it's like, no. who cares? It, it, it doesn't really matter. And I'm going to tell you like it is. And I'm not going to be yeah. fired. I'm not really worried about it. And you also have to think, you know, you have a guy who's who's won a World Series with the team and a, a team that under that he built, really, that he put together the 2011 team and didn't have Adam Wainwright. So he can always stand on that. And now he's collecting, you know, studs and ever so slowly he is once again has a team that is going to make noise in the late summer days instead of just going quietly into the dark. So I think I get mad at him when he doesn't, as I've always said, he doesn't really finish the painting. Like he doesn't like get these guys and get those guys and we're just going to bury Milwaukee, but that's just not the way they do it. And, and I think we shout at the walls. I'm going to go down to Bush stadium next week and just start shouting like, why? But you know, we, we, we want them to do all kinds of stuff, but they always find a way to get in there and play some great baseball. I, I had no bets on them sweeping the Yankees. I thought if they took two out of three, it'd be like, wow, it'd be great. And then they got into a slugfest, like a Frazier Ali-like slugfest on Sunday and found a way the, to win. I was at that game, Dan. It was awesome. It I mean, was, how, was it 46? Was it 46 or 48? That thing must have been stuffed. It was sold out. It was another. It was. Oh, I think yeah, it said they didn't sell out. Ten sell out. It was. I think it was forty six plus. And then Saturday was the largest ever at forty eight five and change. Holy um, smokes! It's crazy. But I'm going to switch gears a little bit, Dan, and ask you. You know, the field of dreams, uh, obviously movie related. I don't know if you heard recently that uh, in Evansville, Indiana, they're talking. The MLB um, has been in contact with them about bringing um, games to Evansville where a league of their own was shot. So, uh, oh, just that's really, great. What do you think about these, you know, exhibition type games, movie, you know, not not exhibitions or actual real games, but like different settings in these movie settings, you know, is that something you like or is it, you know, too some gim- people too are gimmicky yeah, or? too gimmicky or, you know, no, I, I, I think you're combining two very emotional passions, uh, like passions for people. I mean, movies and baseball. And if you can somehow have Kevin Costner, you know, coming to the mound and looking out and seeing baseball players come through the, the crops for real, not like, you know, the late Ray Liotta, which makes Field of Dreams hit all kinds of different way now. But I, I think it's great. I think they find creative ways to do it. I, I want them to choose really good matchups. I want them to – how about the Cardinals and the Yankees out in one of those fields? That would be great. You saw how exciting those games were. So I like the idea, but I, I never trust Major League Baseball to follow through on a good idea. So – but – I like that they're incorporating new ballparks, so we're not just going to stick with the Field of Dreams. We got the League of Their Own. They have to get Tom Hanks out to tip his cap and yeah, whisper some whisper some profanity under his hat. <laughs> they have if, if they're going to do this, they have to do tie-ins to the movie. Absolutely, yeah. You have to get Rosie and Madonna out there because that might get crazy. But you have to at least get Tom and maybe even Gina. You know. Yeah, so the, the rumor is that, it, or the rumor or what they've discussed. I'm originally from Evansville, so I kind of have some inside knowledge of those parts. You're but some insider. Yeah, right. so the what, what the thoughts are that Marlins would be Yankees is the initial thought because Don Mattingly okay. is originally from Evansville. Don Mattingly is the manager of, of the Marlins and also then also was a great Yankee. So that was the first uh, iteration of the thoughts of who would be going against each other. But I think it'd be great. Um, I, I love the field of dreams. So if we can bring it to other places, especially Evansville, yeah. I think it would be sweet. Right I got, how about, I got how about the Durham Bulls? How about a, a couple major league baseball teams playing down there? 
I know that minor league teams are like, hey, there's a lot of minor league stays, but not all of them had Kevin Costner and Tim Robbins in there. You no, know? yeah, I was I was gonna say I thought entertainment wise they did that game great last year. I mean, yeah. I got chills watching. Yeah. I thought it was great. Me too. Um, yeah, keep going with it, man. I'd love to see like give Tom Hanks and let him be the inner interim manager for one of the, like the home team yeah. the first inning and come you out there and you get went out made out. A change. <laughs> yeah let him make he a pitching got... change or come out there and get into an argument with balls and strikes yeah, with the ump like, or just throw his hat on that? the ground yeah that's as bad as my movie lady killers that's your strike zone <laughs> that would be fantastic <laughs> i would love that I'm well so we were we were talking before you got on obviously about the winning streak and how they've done this week um Let's talk about some high points of that because what got me from the weekend, and I, I was, I mean, I was over the moon when we won somehow won Friday uh, yeah. with Hudson on the mound because I thought that game was going to be the slowest game in Bush Stadium history. Uh, it sounded like Oliver Mamol thought the same as well, Ollie Mamol, because he talked about it through the game. I mean, this is like the, I feel like the third or fourth time now he's had to say that they've, they've talked, yeah. they've talked to Dakota about speeding up, like our fielders are, you know, they're on, on their feet too long. Yeah. Uh, but when we won that game, I thought, man, we might have, we have, we might have some mojo going this week. Does it feel like to you, Dan, that this could be similar to September last year? Do you think we could be going into a double-digit streak just with how the schedule's lining up? Yeah, because I think that the schedule's even softer this year. I mean, they have, they really don't have, except for really a tough stretch where I think they have the Dodgers again, where they have a couple teams where it's going to be, excuse me, it's going to be kind of a formidable week. But outside of that, there's a lot of weak competition. And if you have a couple starters who just showed off that they can do what, what they're supposed to do, even Montgomery getting five innings against his former team, because that kind of thing can go both ways. The Yankees could have known him a little good, and he could have known the Yankees, but he, he holds them in check. And then Quintana comes out and goes six against the Cubs. I mean, I mean the starting pitching wasn't the greatest over the weekend, but you can just see that. Things are coming together. I mean, people are getting healthy. Even Tyler O'Neill knocking, you know, baseballs to the opposite field, working over pitchers, adjusting. I, I was at the game Friday, and I, I could see how frustrated Nolan Gorman gets every time where he has to pinch it for Albert Pujols. And if he doesn't come through, the whole crowd looked at him <laughs> like, what did you do? And and I can just see him walking back to the dugout like, he just wants to squeeze <laughs> something. But you see how passionate that even he is. I mean, and he's got 12 home runs. I mean, at least he had that on Friday night. He's just, you know, in, in a smaller role than we're going to see from him in the future. You know, everybody's contributing. I, I wrote about Lars Newtbar today because he's he makes so an good. insane catch. He seemingly can dive anywhere. He comes up unscathed. It took 10 minutes for Jim Edmonds to get up from a diving catch. You know, Newt Bar is out there doing everything. And then he's over the last 15 games. He, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't realize he was hitting that well. And so ever since the Juan Soto thing didn't go the Cardinals way, other outfielders have went, okay, well now we can step up. And I think he's went from a fourth outfielder to almost like, you know, barging down the door for starter time. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy right now. I mean, he, he's he's the reason you don't see a guy like Alec Burleson up getting a shot because yeah, Newt Bar's played he so is well. The reason. Well, I want to talk about this for one second because I think I think the guy this weekend for me, and since he's been up July thirtieth, is Paul DeYoung. We got to give this guy some credit because if I'm oh, yeah. I was I was the number one like one of the number <laughs> one guys railing this guy for the last two years, yeah. crying for Trevor's story this offseason. Thank yeah. God we didn't do that. No kidding. Because he it hasn't worked out for him in Boston. <laughs> but how about Paul DeYoung? Look, over the weekend, 
three for nine, two doubles, home run, six RBIs. He had two RBI game winning uh, double on Friday. That was down right field. Two for three uh, Sunday with a double and the big home run, three run home run for insurance at the end. Look, he is since he's come up July 30th, since he's come back up, and this is only eight games. So obviously it's a very small sample yeah. size. If you like batting average, we got nothing for you. He's only Forget hitting 240. No, no, yeah. He's only hitting 240, but 375 OBP, 720 slugging, 1.095 OPS. Guys, he's got three home runs, three doubles, 10 RBIs in eight games. He's got nine Ks, but he's got six walks. And I think the walks has impressed yeah. me a little bit more than anything else. He's, I mean, he's getting on base, taking some walks. He, you don't usually see that with him. Now, I don't know if this is for real. Because during this time, too, his average exit velocity. Take what you can hit, get, man. <laughs> it, yeah, but his average exit velocity right now is 95.9 on his hits. That's a oh, 64.7 hard hit percentage. Just for some context, Aaron Judge, his hard hit percentage this year is 60.7. And DeYoung, oh, wow. since he's come back, is 64.7. So th- there's no way that that's going to continue. It's just not. Even in 2019, his best season, no. his hard hit percentage was like 41%. So, I mean, he's otherworldly right now. But if we even get something like this with with the pop at shortstop, that's going to be huge down the stretch because he has lengthened the lineup a lot. I would say do not move him higher than fifth or sixth in the lineup. That's the only thing we tried him at cleanup and yeah. you know around two or three. I think it Changes put things. way too much. Yeah, put way too much pressure on him. I say leave him where he's at and keep rolling him out there until he gets cold. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of there's only when when he came back up after almost two months in the minors i mean you you just don't see that with major league baseball players saying i'm gonna go down and just like basically do bull durham for about two months and rebuild your swing rebuild your approach and kind of get humbled a little bit because he got up here he had a good couple years he got the contract and again that was when they were kind of sending those out really quick and locking these guys up with their control and then he kind of got derailed and you, all you could get from him was the power, and and then he comes back in a big way. And we we've always trusted his defense, and I think people put a lot of expectations on Paul DeYoung, and I think the contract really loaded that up because I I, I kind of compare this to Blues fans and their young players and the Cardinals fans. Like um, I I think of Patrick Berglund a lot when he first came up, when you know a guy who who was just people looked at like he was going to save the team, he was going to score forty goals and be terrific, but he may have just been a good second winger if he had just p- progressed like that. And I see DeYoung as a guy who isn't going to save the team. He isn't going to be able to hold the team on his back like Paul Goldschmidt can. He's kind of like the lesser Paul, but he's standing next to Paul Goldschmidt, so everybody's the lesser Paul. So really, any contributions, even him that 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 big home run against the Yankees, you know, taking the ball kind of like O'Neill, taking it to the opposite field. I think that's almost like protecting the zone for them, trying to cut down the strikeouts. And yeah, he looks great. I mean, it's not going to last, but nothing in this game lasts. Nothing that this winning streak isn't going to last. But you take those kind of hits from DeYoung all, all day long, all night long. And you hope it lasts. And you hope that, yes, they don't move him up in the lineup, they don't apply more pressure. Just keep you know, give him a day of rest. You don't have to ride him into the ground. There's a lot of baseball left, crazily enough, even as we sit in August. But I, I think whatever he does at this point, especially this season, is a bonus. I mean, a lot of fans have written him off like he's been here for 10 years and stunk. He hasn't. He just got kind of lost. I, I think maybe he got sucked into the power game and forgot about approach and about taking good at bats. But, hey, when it comes to 
DeYoung, you just ride it as long as it goes. Yeah, and I thought about this uh, today, actually. Do you think if we, if they, we, the St. Louis Cardinals would have sent down Matt Carpenter and he would have taken the sin down, right? You have to accept it, right? Yeah. I don't know if he would have. But maybe yeah. he would not have. <laughs> but do you think that maybe he could have got on track and then made it back? I mean, because that's really the only option, right? Was we, they just kept on putting him in the game. They just yeah. kept on, she'll just kept on putting him out there and it just was a struggle to watch. But if I he think, would have taken yeah. a month down there, what would have, what could have changed? I, I think almost like with him, you have a similar thing where they gave him the extension that a lot of people thought wasn't needed. Even though he rescued that season really well, you don't want to just shovel off two years, especially when there's an already year attached that hasn't been played yet. So I think he's kind of like a prisoner of the contract, and they kept putting him out there, but that, we got this extension. We can't let him rebuild his swing. And then Carpenter has himself said that he didn't really acknowledge Jeff Albert's advice because I'm sure it's kind of like a clubhouse thing where <laughs> there's a hitting coach seminar over here and Carpenter's like I want to play some ping pong you know I don't want to listen to that <laughs> stuff I'm going to look at my iPad I want to make I want to make my salsa yeah I was like man I'm trying to man Wayno's got six gardens I got three <laughs> he's ki- he's killing me we're, we're going to Pappy's three times a week you know Carpenter but I think yes I think if you went ahead a chance to just strip everything down he didn't have a, have a problem going to play for the when is he playing for the Rangers minor league team? Yeah. So he yes. took that assignment. And I just think the Cardinals were trying to make that contract stick. And and I think one of those things where you could probably pry it out of Mo and just say, yeah, that was a little bit premature. But it's good to see him doing what he's doing. And since the Cardinals have some, you know, lethal weapons of their own, it, it doesn't sour much. But you kind of put this in that. You know, that Colton Wong kind of thing where, man, what if? Uh, but then you have Gorman and Edmund, and so you weigh those things. And I think with what he's doing in New York, I think it's a perfect place for him because he doesn't have to be the stud. He's late in his career. I think he'll probably hopefully stick in the AL and, you know, tack on a couple more years to his career. Yeah, I will say, too. I mean, I, I think a uh, little different, obviously, between DeYoung and Carpenter in yeah. terms of the age, in terms sure. of where they're at. Absolutely. Uh, really and, career, you know. Carpenter exactly. Just, so just, so that's what I was going to say, yeah. too. You got a guy like Carpenter who, you know, 13 doubles machine, passes Stan Musil for the franchise yeah. record. Walks doubles, walks. Insane season. And then, and then they asked him to get a little bit more power, and he gets into, you know, 35, 36, whatever it was in 18 when he just went off that yeah, second he half. Just, a lot of home so, runs. Yeah, and so I'm sure it would be hard for a veteran to hear, "Hey, your bat speed, your bat speed is too slow. You're just not catching up anymore. If you would change these things, like I, 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 I mean, I could see myself even at that age, you know, having that kind of success over the last sure. five or six years, being like, man, I'm a major league hitter. Like I know what I'm doing. I don't, you know, I don't need to change. Yeah. I don't need to change that much. Kind of reluctant and, to advice like that. You're like, eh, yeah. I'm set my ways. And he said that he acknowledged that, you know, he probably should have listened a little bit sooner to what the Cardinals were yeah. trying to say. And it took, it took him getting to the off season and getting really no interest besides right. the Rangers getting sit down, yeah. seeing that they weren't going to, they weren't. And Jim Hayes had a great interview with him. I think it was Friday. And he said, you know, um, he said, when I, when I asked for my release, he said, I thought that was it. I had my family come to the last AAA game. Cause I thought that was going to be it. And it was four yeah. days later the Yankees just randomly called him and asked him if he could come help out. I think they had an injury or something, but he worked on his swing all summer. And he talked about finally listening to the, that advice, working on the bat speed and meeting with Matt holiday. Yes, I think Matt, that's yeah. the real difference. Personally. Meeting with Matt holiday, the real, and, 
valuable mat in this whole yes. deal. <laughs> and you holiday. can see it. Like I, I know Yankee Stadium is built for the lefty hitters. Sure. But though, I mean, Dan, I don't know if you've watched some of the videos. These home runs he's hitting in New yeah, York, they're, they're not cheap shots, man. They're, I mean, these they'd aren't, be out of. I mean, I think these be will be out of San Diego. They, yeah, they'd be sailing out of Petco because they're bombs. He's putting that. He's putting that arch. Like for a few years, he would just those would be flyouts, and yep. now they're just. He's got that little uppercut lethal swing where he can just seemingly serve the ball to wherever he wants. Like he's smashing the ball to right center. I was I was at the game on Friday and I was able to be right in his sight line where he was hitting and he just was rope a ball down the line. Like, wait a minute, is this like 2014, 15? He's, you know, this guy, he's popped out. But it just tells you that it, it's never over in the major leagues, especially with the advanced sabermetrics as crazy as they are and as much as they make our head hurt you know they probably helped rescue carpenter's career because he went back and you know reassembled and listened to some tough advice we all know it's hard to get that kind of that feedback like hey man your swing sucks you look like you're 44 you know like julio franco but like not even julio franco like really 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 old julio franco it's like he was just so slow and he'd strike out and and he you know he he tried to beat the shift too much, and now he's just doing what he should be doing. He's just swinging, and he's yep. you know he's building counts. He's making pitchers work. He made Dakota work a lot. I think everybody makes Dakota work. I, I think you and I could get up there and probably <laughs> draw three pitches. Oh, we I could get a Dakota. full count. He's there at a full count with everybody. No, no kidding. He was well, you know, man. I always he, worry. Always worried about um, Carpenter's return in general, right? Whether it was as a fan or whatever yeah. it would have come down to, like how he would have been perceived. I think this was the best thing possible for him to just be, he's going to be a red jacket guy. He, oh, yeah. He, yeah. he was, you know, there for 10 years. And if you, if he doesn't have this excitement and coming back when having those moments, I think he's looked at a lot differently from Cardinals, recent Cardinals years that would have uh, shied people away. And I think this was the best thing for him. And, and, the comeback and the wave and the hug with Yachty. I mean, I don't oh, think yeah. it could have, could have gone any better for him. And also down to the very end, making a last out. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> last like, two games. Hey, two games in a row. Know, yeah. That's right. Carpenter's like, been good seeing you. you, but when you come to the plate, I think we're about ready to win the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the one would, would have been out at Yankee Stadium that he hit to the wall. Oh, yeah. And welcome yeah. back to Bush. Yep. And you know, it's yeah, not getting like, out of here. Gosh, I got that, man. Yeah, he probably he had PTSD know. on that out. No kidding. <laughs> Warning did. track power is what he's what he's known for. There, Bush. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome though. You said you were there Friday, Dan. I mean, I, I know the standing ovation was nuts. It was nuts when I was there Sunday. I mean, people were going crazy, and you had the Yankees fans as well. You know, rooting for him. Um, but but to the to the point of of guys, you know, being willing to get better. That's why I have loved Goldschmidt and Arenado. So I was listening yeah. today on BK and Ferrer, uh, Ferrario, and they had. Um, they had one of the hitting guru guys that have helped Lars Newtbar. He helped him a lot during the all-star break in this, in this past year. And it's one of those guys that helped out a lot with uh, particularly the adding bat speed and helping him get more launch on the ball. And he was talking about how that's helped Lars, you know, drive the ball more authority because he's always been a pretty good hitter. Uh, He's always been a good on base guy, but they said, well, you know, they they were talking like, where can we get your slugging up? And the guy talked a lot about, bat speed it was it's really interesting but, up over the last 15 yeah games. and he He's talked about he also talked it. about arenado was there this offseason with lars so he like i mean arenado loves lars you see him in the dugout there you know he's yeah. always all over him but i just it, that hit me it's like you know we think about matt it took him a little bit longer to take that advice but you've got guys like goldschmidt and arenado who have been the most productive like top 10 players last five six seven years sure 
yeah. still trying to find ways to get better. I mean, you see it with Goldschmidt this year. He I had mean, a, the hockey yeah. puck nub. Like, like they it, work, like, like they work the like like Lars. Yeah. I mean, they they work Absolutely. as hard as a Lars Newt bar. I mean, they. I love seeing that man. I mean, to him, Arnado last season was like mm, it was like you know diet Arnado. I mean, he he knows yeah. that he can do a little better than that. And now he's come out and he has a nine twenty OPS Insane. as we are over a week into August. So I think he's just really driven and i think the reason he really was excited about coming here outside of just having a better chance of winning and playing in a city that just adores its baseball is that winning you know he wants to win a world series and what better place to do it than in, in st louis and so i think he has that contract he has the opt the opt out it has to be in the back of his head even if i don't think he's going to do it but i just think he keeps himself driven and just trying to be the best player and he can which is pretty good for the Cardinals. I was telling Ryan today, just real quick, I wanted to read the stat line off. Uh, it's easy it's easy to overlook how good Arnado's been this year because Goldschmidt's just been phenomenal. Yeah. Just but since July 1st, so July 1st to August 8th today, that's 26 games, 368 batting average, 450 on base percentage, 716 slugging, a 1.166 OPS. Got eight home runs and 19 RBIs during that time. That's, we're talking 26 games now, seven, six, like pools, like from in the prime of pools when he was just either he was getting on base or he was destroying the baseball. Yes, it's been it's been otherworldly for him right now. Um, yeah. I mean, he and look, if there's one thing, maybe I think it's, it's just a little a little slower right now is, is the home runs. I think they're starting to come yeah. around, but he's been killing the ball right now. Yeah, Dan, I know you only had about 20 minutes for us. Um, we're going to bring on uh, Brandon God and the voice of Madden next. Uh, you oh, can hang you out go. with – you can keep on hanging out. I know you said you only had about 20 minutes. Yeah. So I, I, I think I'm going to jump out because yeah. I was the guy that woke up in the middle of the night last night and said, hey, maybe we should just you know, not go back to bed. And be <laughs> so, well, we appreciate the time. Pretty, pretty we often. Pre- <laughs> we appreciate you coming on. Um um, anything you want to plug or get people to get to you know, your website or anything like that? No, I mean, it just, you know, the ramble on newsletter, I'm pumping away everything at that TV and sports, but you know, the, the dose above has got all the film stuff. I'm trying to make that the, the go-to site for the movie stuff, but you know, cutting things up, making sure I'm pushing everything in the right direction, but at buff 82 and at, at F still sports desk, I think Twitter is still the most chaotic, but also the most fun. Yeah, you know, it's just Facebook's still like the old person's home where it's the high school cafeteria. <laughs> so you have to go into Twitter and just wear armor and have thick skin. But you know, but I get to do stuff like this. I mean, I met both of you on, on Twitter, so that that that's the goodness of it. So Absolutely. thanks for having me, and yeah, keep on keeping on. And this team will give us a lot of stuff to discuss in these last gosh, less than two months. <laughs> oh yeah. And I've, I've said it before, Dan, you're one of my favorite follows, man. I love the movie stuff too. I read the bullet train interview the other day. I'm a sucker. Yeah, for man. I was a little movies. disappointed, man. It was I'll like, it was lined up it. like a 26 yard field goal. And for some reason it just bounced off the bar. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? I'm a but sucker for Brad Pitt movies, man. I'll probably still go see it. You have to see it. Let me know what you think, because you know, he's, he, he, you know, he's easy on the eyes and you know, when, he, when he's kicking people in the face, that, that looks kind of fun too. But <laughs> I think the screenplay kind of let him down a little bit, but Hey, he made a paycheck. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for dropping on with us, man. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. We oh, appreciate man. it. Have a good All right. one. All right. Next, now we're going to switch gears and bring on Brandon. Brandon's a little scared of video. Apparently didn't do his hair tonight or something. Brandon <laughs> Gordon, the voice of Madden. 
play by play for Fox Sports, play by play for uh, Big Ten for basketball. Brandon, thanks for joining us. You there? Ryan, I'm here. I thought this is how old I am now. I, I thought I was tech savvy, and it keeps telling me that my camera is blocked. So I'm trying to join you via camera, but right. uh, anyway, here we are. Good to be on with you. Although I'm sorry to Josh that he's got to sit and chat. Do you, Josh? Do you have to be stuck with him all the time? Because that's really unfortunate. Oh, just podcast nights. <laughs> Oh, well, we're, we're constantly texting about the Cardinals, man. I probably drive oh, him there more. He is. There he is. Hey, you got it there going. We got, we got I probably man. drive him more nuts during the day than he does me with the text I send him. That's yeah. that's true. Josh <laughs> well, is a little usually a little more negative than I am, but <laughs> I've known Ryan for a long time, and uh, where I come from, when you say Ryan Jenkins, people run the other direction. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. I I remember saving you a few times, flat tires and all those t- yeah. things. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember this multiple times. Yeah. Well, Brandon, I appreciate you jumping on, but so obviously you're most known voice wise for Madden. Yeah, you know, how long you've been doing that for? How many years has that been going on now? Seven years. Uh, we're going on year eight. Actually, we just had our first recording session this morning for next year's Madden game. Uh, the one that is getting ready to come out, Madden 23, is released in two weeks. So we just started our first recording session for Madden 24, which is kind of hard to believe. But yeah, I've been doing it with Charles Davis, who he's on the number two CBS crew for the NFL with Ian Eagle. And uh, he and I have, we didn't know each other from Adam until seven years ago. And now it's the guy that I see more than my family, talk to more than my family. And uh, so it's been, it's been cool. It is fun. It's a strange gig because since COVID hit, we do it all from our house. They set up a studio here. We used to have to go to Orlando to record it all. Um, And I think a lot of people that play the game at this point, since we've been on there for seven years, they're tired of hearing our voices. So I, and I understand that I, I relate to that because I remember playing the game growing up and when you hear the same voices or only a few lines, it can be very frustrating. So hang in there with us. We won't be there forever, but we're enjoying it while we're there. Yeah. Do you ever get hate tweets? Oh yeah. No, that's all part of the experience. The question (laughs) is, the question is, you know, do you let them get to you or do you develop thick skin? I mean, some of them are frustrating, right? Um, You hope you get a few nice ones mixed in here and there. But I think the um, the tough thing for me was when I got the job, I had never really had any type of a presence on any of the networks. And before me, it was Jim Nance. Before that, Al Michaels. And before that, Gus Johnson. So and nobody, had, really. They had all already built yeah. up kind of a reputation because they had been doing games nationally. So people heard them on an actual game before they heard them on a video game. Well, 95% of the people heard me first on a video game. and. Sure. A video game, no matter how good you record it, is always going to sound robotic and repetitive. And so um, it was kind of a strange introduction to be that be kind of the coming out party for my career as opposed to a more traditional. It's been backwards for me. It was first Madden, and then I got into the TV broadcast uh, side of things later. So, But it, I, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. It's been awesome. But I think it, it's, a, it's a different way to kind of enter the space. Yeah, so you've done all kinds of different stuff. Obviously, you do play-by-play for college basketball. You do play-by-play for NFL uh, sometimes, right? And then um, what's your favorite one to do? You do baseball as well on Fox Sports 1. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your favorite to do? Yeah, I mean, I grew up with baseball. That was my first love. That's the first gig I had in high school at Harrison High School in Evansville, Indiana, was broadcasting Harrison High School baseball games. My first job out of college was minor league ball. 
getting paid $500 a month to broadcast 76 games in 80 days with nobody but my mother and maybe my sister listening. Um, but that was my first love. Now, I love, I've grown to love basketball and football equally, but getting to do last year and this year those MLB games, and I had a Cardinals game, as you know, a couple weeks ago when they played the Brewers, that's been neat because baseball to me always feels like riding a bike. What's strange is that since the pandemic hit, Fox, all the FS1 games and even some of the big Fox games are done from our house. So this is, uh, for those that can see, that's where I broadcast the baseball games for Fox. Um, So it's very strange to not be out and on site. The only game that Fox has on site every week is the national game on Saturday, which was Cardinals-Yankees this past weekend. Um, But that is usually always Joe Davis and John Smoltz who are going to call the World Series. So it's a strange thing to do the games from home. But at the same time, I love baseball so much that no matter where, if they told me do it in your closet, do it on Jupiter, wherever they told me to do them from, I'm not going to turn those gigs down because I always enjoy that. Yeah, and I didn't want to bring that up. If you, I didn't know if you wanted to say that or not, that you're, the games are not, you're not there, which is crazy to me. And, it doesn't, and you don't like to hear it, but it doesn't sound that much different yeah. uh, because of that. And people, most people, I don't think, will even notice that. Um, I can tell usually more on basketball than I can on baseball, yeah. but uh, I think it's crazy that you're able to do that. Um, so you've been to a lot of places. He's a Braves fan, Josh, by the way. Well, um, I grew up a Braves fan. I yeah. haven't followed him in a while, but I, if you want to talk baseball, I can talk, <laughs> I can talk nineties Braves and give you every lineup from 91 <laughs> to 99. Now nobody's interested in that, but that, that's, that's where I had my bread and butter was right there. So, yeah. So you've, you've done all, you know, games everywhere. A lot of places you've you know been to a lot of stadiums and arenas. What's your favorite as a fan or as a broadcaster to go into and do games, whether that's college basketball or NFL yeah. or, or whatever, you know, there's really, it's hard to beat college football on a Saturday. It really is just because and NFL stadiums are great, but college football with a pageantry, with a band, with the students, with a tailgating, and then, Sometimes, you know, you go to Michigan, you go to Ohio State, there's over 100,000 people there. That's an atmosphere that I have found that's pretty much unrivaled. So since I mostly do Big Ten games when it comes to college, I would say Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State, a night game at Penn State. Those are just three of the best sports atmospheres I've ever been in. Um, Major League Baseball, though, those are my favorite stadiums. When growing up in Southern Indiana, going over to Cardinals games, like that was it. I remember being there when Mark McGuire hit his 55th. Uh, en route to when he and Sammy Sosa were going back and forth that year, and he eventually hit 70. But when he hit 55, I was there. He hit it off Kevin Millwood of the Braves on Sunday night baseball. And so the, the like, baseball stadiums to me, the, that was the mecca. And to me, it still is. They have the most character. They're the coolest. Um, most of them, even though some of them have rooms, you can still have most mostly outdoor games. And that to me is is special. So there's something about sitting in a stadium with a hot dog and a beer uh, that nothing, it doesn't matter what the sport is. As time goes for me, nothing replaces that with a game of baseball. Yeah. I mean, for me, Brandon, you know, I, I grew up in Arkansas. I don't know if you can hear it. My wife tells everyone that, that they can still hear it, but I grew up in <laughs> Arkansas right across the bridge from Memphis, Tennessee. So it's pretty much you were either Cardinals fan or Braves fan where I was from. It's kind of the same thing. That was, that was the games that we got on TV every week. Uh, we usually had the Braves and the Cardinals channels. So I kind of grew up, you know, watching the same players. And honestly, uh, when we got, man, we, we got John Smoltz toward the end of his career. If you remember, 
He started for yeah, the Cardinals, yeah. I think, for yeah. a year or two. I can't remember yeah. when it, that. I think that was was that after twenty or no, that was before twenty eleven. Yes, it was like eight or nine somewhere around yeah. there. Uh, yeah. And he was still, I mean, he was still effective, man. I remember when we got him. It's like that was pretty cool. I, I thought it was cool to watch him come out and yeah. start a few games and help us out that year. Yeah. But well, and I remember when I was in high school. So there was there were three or four years there where the Cardinals and Braves were really battling it out. And all my buddies in high school and early in college were all Cardinals fans. So I I remember one day I snuck my tomahawk into Harrison High School, my Braves tomahawk, because the Braves had just won the NLCS. And I was I was chopping down the hallways uh, to all the (laughs) Cardinals fans. So I even though when the when the Braves weren't playing the Cardinals when I was younger, I liked the Cardinals. And I also like I know this is going to sound like blasphemy to any Cardinals fans, but the Cubs were always on WGN and it was Harry Carey. And so when I would come home from after school, this is back in the like in the 90s, Wrigley Field didn't have lights. So I would watch the Cubs on WGN. And then at night at 7.05, the Braves would come on TBS. So I, as a kid, I would just sit there and watch eight hours of baseball. Uh, and I just couldn't get enough of the announcers. And that's really how I fell in love with broadcasting and with the game of baseball was, was through Harry Carey doing the Cubs on WGN and then Skip Carey broadcasting the games um, on TBS. Yeah, one of my best friends growing up, uh, huge, huge Cubs fan. Uh, his whole family was. Cubs and Cardinals played. That was like our World Series. So it was like, it was smack talk all weekend. And to this day, I never let him live it down. Uh, if you remember, uh, it would have been mid to early 2000s when Pools was tearing it up. Uh, I remember there was one weekend he proceeds to tell me, I think Derek Lee hit like a walk-off home run off. He's like, this guy's going to be better than Albert. I was like, man. <laughs> I'm going to make a mental note of you saying this and I'm never going to let you forget it. And I, and I haven't. So that was fun. Well, I, Brandon, I know you're, you're, you know, you only have a little bit of time left. So what, what's next? You know, you've, you've, you know, uh, people don't know, but you were, you were at university of Evansville being play by play on the radio there. You were at Butler university going back to back national championships, being on the radio there, then Georgia tech. Right. And then, uh, and then, then you, you know, where you are now. So where do you want to be? Where do you, what's next for Brandon Gordon and where can we hear you next? You think it, it's, I, I couldn't have said this like six or seven years ago cause, cause it just, and it probably really sounds cliche, but I like where I'm at. I love Fox. Yeah. The fact that I can do major, like major league baseball was the last thing I wanted to check off. And I started doing that last year. So doing major league baseball and kind of the split between NFL and college, I enjoy both of those. And then college basketball. I mean, growing up in Indiana, you know, that was King. So um, as long as I can keep broadcasting those sports that I love and do it at Fox, who they keep growing their profile, they're number one in the NFL. They are getting more of the big 10 media rights uh, they've really expanded in college basketball, and they they own the postseason for baseball. So I feel fortunate to be a part of their company, and I just want to keep doing that. And whatever the games are, like it, I, I enjoy that. A lot of people say, "Well, don't you want to call the Super Bowl or the World Series?" Like, sure. At some point, you know, I'm still relatively young. At some point, if that was in the cards, that would be great. But if you told me that I would not make it to the World Series or the Super Bowl, but be able to call games for 30, 35 more years, and I'm perfectly content and happy with that. So uh, right now I'm just mixing it up with baseball. My next game is Astros and White Sox a week from today. 
I have football uh, preseason, Lions and Falcons on Friday before that. So I head up to Detroit tomorrow. So this crossover season from baseball to football is a lot of fun. And then November, December, when you cross over from basketball to football, I also just find that a fun, challenging time to be able to balance the sports and bounce around. So, yeah, man, I'm going to. I'm thankful, incredibly thankful and fortunate. I'm just going to keep doing this until somebody tells me to turn the microphone off and go do something else. Well, can you tell me that my Indiana Hoosiers are going to be good this year? Oh, gosh. Um, I, you know, growing up in Indiana like we did, it was always crazy because, you know, Bobby Knight at the time was the icon. I remember, by the way, when he – I'll answer your question in a second. When Bobby <laughs> Knight came to Harrison to recruit Calvert Chaney, yeah. Um, and they had to have four security guards, cops around him just to protect him. He was like, it was like the Pope was coming to town. So we've all seen the Mecca of Indiana basketball back in the glory days. And Ryan, I hate to tell you, it hasn't been like that for a long time, but you got back in the NCAA tournament and you virtually have the entire team back this season. Yeah. So I think that they have as good of a chance as anybody to win the Big Ten this year and to make a run in the NCAA tournament. So if there was ever a time to be as excited or excited about Indiana basketball, it's now. I would say this is going to be the most exciting team they've had since that Zeller Oladipo team was was the one seed and then got upset by Syracuse in the Sweet 16. I don't want to talk about that. But I know yeah. you don't, but I'm just yeah. saying it's you yeah. know you're back. You're getting back on that on that stage. So is, ba- is ba- ba- well, Josh is an Arkansas fan. Do you have anything for Arkansas? I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't follow Razorback baseball <laughs> or basketball as much as I should. Honestly, well, you probably you probably follow football though. Not as much as you would think. Now, now I I'm a Colts fan by default because I went to school in Tennessee and everyone everyone is a Peyton Manning fan. So I've been yeah. watching Colts games well before I moved here in 2013. But yeah. no, not as much as I, I would hope to be. I mean, one of the last guys I remember <laughs> Razorbacks wise when I was in high school was Ryan Mallett was the big, oh, was yeah. one of the big oh, yeah. for a while. So that, that was a that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. He was in the, they had that spring league. They called it this year, the USFL, but last year it was just called the spring league guys still trying to make it. And Ryan Mallett was the starting quarterback trying to get back <laughs> in the NFL, but unfortunately things didn't go too well. So didn't I think happen. he hung it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, we appreciate it. I know you said yeah. you only have until uh, 10 o'clock Eastern time. So we appreciate the time. Uh, hopefully get you on again soon and um, see you soon at, in Bloomington, right? Yeah, well, I appreciate yeah. you letting me mix it up. I know your your listeners they want to hear Cardinals talk. So they I'll do. Be- well, we we talk about you know we had Dan Buffa on. Who if you don't I don't know if you know Dan. Yeah. we've had yep. Dan on. We've had other people on, and so yeah, we can break it up with some Cardinal stuff. You did a Cardinals game. You, you're a Cardinals guy. There you go. Well, I and I might have another one in September, so maybe before Ooh. that game when I when I'm getting back and up to speed to the Cardinals, we can get back on and talk about all the races as we get towards uh, October. Yeah. Sounds good. We great. appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, See you. Thanks, Brandon. All right. Well, I mean, that was that was fun. I mean, we, yeah. we kind of rapid fire from Kyle to Dan Buffa to Brandon Gordon. I mean, we we're only an hour in. We I mean, we're only an hour in. We usually go an hour and a half, two hours. It feels like it's we should be two hours in as as is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want to keep going. We had we had conversations to talk about uh, Nolan Gorman, um, yes. and and I pi- I pissed off some some younger kids today. In a Twitter space, yeah, talking and, about Nolan Gorman, and uh, you know, and BK, I got called a boomer. Did I tell you that? <laughs> no, you didn't say that. One part. of them called me a boomer, well, and I'm like, I mean, 
I'm not kid. even 32 yet, yeah. man. Like, dang, I've, I've aged 30 years already. I had to tweet out the gif of the guy like shaking his fist at the, at the, at the cloud. Nice. Yeah, yeah the, the Simpsons. Simpsons one? Yeah. yeah. Like, what in the world? No, and all I pointed out, and we talked about this, is, is you know, Nolan doesn't seem, at least this last week, to be getting as many consistent at-bats as you would hope as you'd go back to that quote that Mosaic had before he got called up when DeYoung got sent down, uh, that he wasn't going to be up here unless he's getting consistent at-bats. And it seems like with DeYoung hitting the way that he has been, uh, they seem pretty hell-bent on Tommy being in the lineup most days. Uh, and I think his, I think what he's done this year would, would command that, and his defense at second base, uh, shortstop, wherever you play him, has still been great. Um, but, again, you know, Albert has, has turned it on these last 30 games. Now, he's cooled off a little bit, but he's been DHing a lot. And he hasn't played a lot recently, no. to be honest. Yeah, which we've had like three or four righties in a row. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of to be expected. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I pointed out that his last 30 games, um, well, last month, which was tw- 21 games, have been a little rough, you know, hitting around 197, only five home runs, I think like seven or eight RBIs. So not, you know, 460 something slugging, not tearing the cover off the ball. I don't think it's insane to say that that's not, not great over 21 games, right? Now, but like you pointed out, he still had some games the last four or five days, had the huge game against Stroman, the, the home run to get the, yeah. Get that rally going. He should have. He should have had a double in that game too. He got robbed. So he's still hitting the ball hard, and that's something I think. If he's hitting the ball hard, like we're seeing with the young, you're going to start getting results. But my question was more so not that hey he, he deserves to go down. Yeah, I wasn't saying oh he's had 25 strikeouts in 21 games. Just just send him down. It was like no, I'm wondering where the at bats are going to come from if if they're going to keep rolling the young out there, which which they probably should the way he's hitting right now. Sure. So the conversation started on Mayan was listening to BK and Ferrario today. Right. Was that and last BK even said he wants to see him go down. I, no, he, he said he said last week that he uh, he said he that he was going to go that. down. He's going to go down. I heard him say today mention something about. Maybe seeing trying to outfield, yeah. Yeah, which I mean, sure, he's an athlete. Let's try it out. Yeah. But, but, and since the, the the last game in Toronto, so there's two games, right? So the, the second game in Toronto, he's actually been pretty pretty good. Uh, and hitting op, Oppo home runs, yes, too. Uh, and a lot of power. In the last seven games, he's batting over 300 on base percentages over 400. I think that's everything you expected. But I also think a part of that is he was told by John Mazalock, you're that dude, right? We're gonna, we're not trading you. He, yep. him, he and Carlson both have come out and said, yes, John Mazalock had a conversation with us. He said, we are not trading you. I think that gave them both confidence. But if John Mazalock is coming to you and saying, we're not trading you, do you think that means, hey, little buddy, we're going to be sending you down to Memphis? I don't think that's, I don't think Man, that's possible. Look. I don't think, I just don't see it. If you're going to be that, poignant to say you're not we're not going to trade you yes my only counter argument to that would be a month before he traded for nolan arnado sure he said matt carpenter you're our third baseman sure this whole off season and when it started paul DeYoung, you're our shortstop and at the end of the day now now those two guys were performance based right which is why you know the trade for arnado happened uh and DeYoung getting sit down he was just was not hitting Again, Nolan's, you know, Gorman's still hitting the ball pretty hard. He's still producing for the most part. You have the strikeouts, but again, you can live with that when you're hitting a home run every eight, nine, ten, eleven. Right. And he's also been walking more than I yes. think expected as well. Yes. So that's and why he's, his on base played, is I he's played second base, just, I think, better than anyone expected. Yes. He's handled it well. So I don't think from a performance standpoint point, he deserves to be sent down. But yeah, my thing is like where the at bats are gonna come from. Because if they because we talked about it earlier. I mean, I went to the game yesterday. 
Brendan Donovan was DHing batting second. Right. I just did I didn't understand that. I know Donovan hadn't gotten some starts in a while. Maybe yeah, they were trying maybe they were trying to get him going. You know, Gorman had a rough day Saturday. Everybody had a rough get day Saturday. It was a one oh right. game. You know, um Arnado both sides had, were rough. Yeah. Yeah. Arnado had the only RBI hit. So it was that was a head scratcher. So that's where I'm wondering. It's like if it's not Gorman, at some point, you know, I, I don't I mean we haven't had an update on Yepes, but he's got to be back he, at some point. There soon. was an update. I think Katie Wu today on 101 ESPN said they've been saying he can hit right now. He's, he's fine. Hitting. He's going to have a rehab start. He and Flaherty are going to be pretty much in Memphis at the same time. It right. sounds like to to. I would hope Yepes is back before Jack at least. In well, the yeah, Jack still he probably needs to, early he September. needs to get yes yeah, built up yeah. built up for sure. But I think you look at it as Brendan Donovan has been really bad over the last he struggled forty days probably. He's under batting under two hundred. He is probably put out there to try and get going because. What what it's going to take to win a World Series? Let's. I don't think this team is a World Series team, but they can get hot and beat anyone. I think at that time, you know, it, I don't think it matters who it is as long as the team gets hot, they can they can win. And this team right. has the lineup to do that. But I think if you ever have a chance to do that, it's because you have a deep lineup. Yeah, you can get guys off the bench that come in and get a hit. And what Brendan Donovan did early in the season is what they would like to be able to have is a guy to be able to get hits off off the bench. Super utility guy, yeah. play everywhere. Yeah, that's what he needs to be. Brendan Donovan, I don't think will ever be a starting player in the, in Major no. League Baseball. He's not going to be a consistent guy out there. Nolan Gorman is the future of the Cardinals or the future of some other team if they decide to trade him for something else at any point. But I think that is he's going to be a fixture in someone's lineup. So yeah. that's why he and we talked about why has he not been batting against the lefties? It's time to put him out there. It's time to get him those at bats. And even if that means, as me as a big Tommy fan, that Tommy needs to sit some more. And he did. On Saturday was a late scratch. I didn't hear why he was a late scratch. Um, yeah, that was and, weird. I don't know. And and um, Gorman came in and batted in his spot. Right. So I think that's a big part of it. I think that you just got to get him his his reps, and just kind of like Albert Pujols, he wasn't hitting the ball very good at different points this season. But whenever yeah. he got consistent reps, same with Brendan Donovan when he was initially called up, you said he's trash. Get this guy out of here, and he just didn't get any reps. Well, we had Nolan Gorman mania. Well, I mean, that's he, true. He You're was like, called up immediately me, yeah. when the young was sitting down instead of Gorman. We we're like, what, what are second. we doing here? Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But you know, he but he wasn't hitting because there wasn't the reps. So I think right. you got to keep guys. You know, and that's why um, Bader was expendable as well. There's yep. so much depth and. Should all be in theory it's a, it's better good, hitters than Bader. It's a great problem to have. I mean, it's a good problem yes. to have. I mean, you know, part of the reason you had Albert start hitting well is, you know, he didn't have Yepes right. taking DH spots away from him. Yepes got hurt. So, I mean, it's good to have this depth. I just want to make sure he's getting the at bats because I think I do think that he's a guy that needs needs, needs consistent at bats to to if if it's pinch hitting here or there and it's a strikeout, you know, a lot. It's not gonna it's gonna look worse than if he started five, six games in a row, hits two or three home runs and has, you know, seven, eight strikeouts. It's not as bad when you've got that whole week to play. And it just seemed like, like yesterday is a prime example. I just don't understand why he didn't start. I mean, Frankie Montas, repertoire-wise, very similar to Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Uh, Nolan Gorman was tattooing the ball for Marcus Stroman. Right, I mean, and he was, did and he did earlier in the season as well. Yes. And so so I, I just didn't get it. Again, could have just been trying to get Donovan started, you know, getting him going, but I don't know if sitting Gorman was the right move on that. Well, so Sosa's no longer on this team either, right? Right. So Which is where DeYoung came back in. Right, so DeYoung is back in, but who should be playing third base when Nolan is taking a day off? Probably Gorman. It should be Gorman, but who's probably going to be? It's going to be Donovan. Yep. So why not use Gorman in his 
utility, what he can actually play is third base, right? He came yep. up as a third baseman. He has a, That's a, a strong point. arm. He has a really strong arm. So why not use him in that position whenever you want to get Nolan Arenado off his feet for a day when he's DHing or a day off in general and use him that way? Because I think the goal should be to get him in the lineup every single day. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, and I'm fine with like what BK said as well. Get him some outfield reps. I want to, you know, get him some to take some fly balls first. I don't know if he's doing that at all. I don't like, know if he has, but, yeah. but it's not a bad idea, mainly because like, look, Tyler O'Neill's look great lately. Like he's, he's right. going the other way, he's starting to get some power back, but you know, he could have cramps or right. he could, he could slide and have an injury any day. I mean, we've just seen it. So who goes out there and plays left field right now? It's Dickerson. Right. And look, Dickerson's had a good last couple of weeks, but talk about a guy like this week. He hasn't not, played. Not a lot of at-bats. Yeah. So you throw him back in there now, like who knows what you're going to get. So right now, you know, if O'Neill were to go down, I mean, I think your only option is either to start putting Yepes back out there, which right. that didn't which is, go too well. Right. Or call up Alec Burleson and give him a shot, which I would rather see that if, if O'Neill gets hurt again. Then you got to get someone off the 40 man, and that's a whole exactly. other thing as well. Exactly. And so... It's going to be interesting. Again, I think it's a great problem to have. I mean, I don't think we've had this kind of depth for a while, especially with young guys. This many young guys that no. have have been pretty productive on the season. So it's not a bad it's not a bad problem to have at all. One thing we didn't talk about earlier um, that we didn't get to mention, and I didn't even know about it until it happened in the game, was Yachty's one thousandth hit at Bush Stadium three. Um, most hits in home stadium, or, or, or most hits uh, at Bush Stadium. Yes, uh, and in, second in most ever by a catcher at one stadium. Well, he's the only the second catcher ever to have a thousand hits or more at their home stadium. The other one's Yogi Bear. Right. So that hey. right there alone, that stat for me is like, if you don't think Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer, you can just take that stat. Now, <laughs> now like, I don't know how many, I didn't look this up, so I don't know how many games Yogi Bear, how many seasons. Probably, he probably did in less games. I, I would yeah. imagine. But Yogi Bear was a catcher for a very long time though, right? I mean, you know, that longevity matters, man. But you I don't, don't see it anymore. I'm not a, I, I'm not a Yankees aficionado i don't know but i i do believe that yogi berra played for a very long time yeah so my question is so i looked it up and i yadi had i'm gonna forget what i looked up i do believe 60 uh hits at bush two so from in 04 and 05 he had 60 hits in that ballpark i do believe that yogi berra had 1045 hits at Yankee Stadium, which obviously he played every single game in his major league career at home at Yankee Stadium, where Yachty did not have that benefit because of changing over ballparks. Oh, yeah, they didn't get a new, new ballpark during his time, right? Right, yeah, Yogi Bear, the so Yankee he, Stadium's been around forever. I mean, Yogi, old stadium. Yeah, Yogi, I'm seeing here, he had he had 2,150 hits. Total. So, well, 49, 48, 48. So he played one, like, four games with the Mets. Okay. <laughs> in 1965, after being done in 63 I don't, I don't know what that was about yeah but he played 19 years 19 um so and yeah so all 18 so 19 year 18 years of it were at yeah yankee stadium so most i mean over 2000 hits so what you stadium. over i thought it was one i i thought i read it was 1045 or they said on the broadcast i think that's what dan said on the broadcast it was like 1045 at home maybe he misspoke or maybe i heard it wrong Oh, at home. Yes. Yeah, that's probably right. Okay. I was. I'm just looking at hits total. Career. So that that's probably okay. right. Yeah. So like one. But, 000... but about like Yachty. I mean, they both played. I think Yachty's at 19 years. That's right? what I'm asking. Is yeah. how many is is Yachty way over the years played? Um. But my point is, 19 Yachty... years. He's, this is his 19th year too. So same. So they both played 19 years. So they both played 19 years, and 60 of Yachty's hits were at Bush too. So he would have more hits at this ballpark. Than Yogi did at Yankee Stadium was my point. I was trying to get to. And Yachty, by the way, 
very realistic chance that he finishes his career with more hits than Yogi Berra. He is only six hits from tying him. Awesome. I mean, that... That's crazy. That's crazy. Yogi Berra is, is regarded I, I as one of the that. best. Yogi Berra won three MVPs. And, and, <laughs> and he won a lot of world championships yeah. as well. Yeah. And Yogi Berra is regarded as one of the best catchers of all time. Oh, Obviously, yeah. you know, Pudge Rodriguez is up there uh, as a hitting catcher. I wouldn't say he has, was the, as good of a defender as Yachty, but he was no. good in his own and right. More, and much more power, 358 Absolutely. home runs. But Tons yeah, more. 2,150 hits. Mike Piazza, obviously, more more uh, power-driven than, yep. than defensively driven. So I, I think, you know, good defense and good offense was Yogi Berra is like, was the, you know, the the stepping stone. You know, that's what, yeah. that's what you look at. But, you know, if he has the chance, six more hits. I mean, obviously, he should do that. He had two yesterday, I do believe, and hits. So he should be able to to surpass Yogi Berra. For it's more a big hits. milestone, man. What I, is that fifth on the list, or what? I don't. I'm not even sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure on catchers, but I mean, it's got to be up there if 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 you're if you got a chance to patch uh, pass Yogi. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know that he was at that. They flashed that up on the screen, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm above Big Mac land. We were in the cheap seats, and people start going nuts. I'm like, what's going on? And he had just gotten the hit, and I look up on the screen. I'm like, wow. I mean, everybody. I mean, he you know took his hat off, tipped the crowd at right. first base. They threw the ball out. Uh, huge. And Paul DeYoung got his 100th career home run. Yes. And you know, and that's most all time, by the way, for Cardinal shortstop. For shortstop. You know yeah, because that, the Cardinals in his history don't have no. big hitting shortstops. Yeah. Um, as much as we've ripped DeYoung, I mean, he's been our, our best power hitting shortstop in the history of the franchise. Yeah, I'm, I was looking up. Uh, so, Avon Rodriguez had 2,844 hits. That's a lot, yeah. Um, I'm surprised, honestly, Yogi doesn't have more. I mean, Ted yeah. Simmons, 2472. So, 400 less than Yvonne Rodriguez, obviously a Cardinal. Carlton Fisk, 2356. Jason Kindle, 2194. Uh, Yogi Berra, 2150. And Yachty, whatever his updated numbers 2144. are. 2144. It's 2144. So, so, what did I say? One. Two is he sixth? Three, four, five, six, seventh right now. Seventh, okay. I do believe. Uh, but so he's he, six away from tying Yogi. Yes, for six. and then the next one would be two one nine five. So he'd have to get forty some odd more hits. That might be tough. Uh, yeah. So last month and a half. Yeah. So uh, he he could end up sixth all time in in hits for a catcher. Um, I think that is if you think about the guys on the list. What I just said: Mike Piazza, Ivan Rodriguez. Ted, uh, Ted Simmons, Carlton Fisk, Jason Kendall, and Yogi Berra. I mean, being in that company by itself, you Not cannot true. tell me that Yadi Merlin is not a, a Hall of Famer. You know, I think there's been people over the years that are like, no, I don't think so. But as he's gone on and hitting these milestones, it's like, how can you not? I think even the the national pundits have been like, yeah, Yadi is not only a Hall of Famer, a lot of them think he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, he's got to be. I mean, if you remember when he was called up, they literally told him, "We don't. I mean, we don't care what we you don't do. care what you do at the plate. <laughs> like, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, behind home plate when you're catching. And th- to see what he's become as a hitter, I mean, we forget, man. Because mainly because there was other guys that were so crucial. You know, 2012, fourth in MVP balloting. 2013, third in MVP balloting. 2012 was his probably his best offensive season ever. He hit 22 home runs. Like, this is a guy." After Albert left, that really stepped up offensively. 2012, 2013, 2014. I mean, like, 2012 and 2013, 
137 OPS plus, 129 OPS plus. That's that's Nolan Arnada range, right? OPS plus. I mean, that's he was carrying the team. Yes, and him and Carpenter. And Carpenter, Carpenter obviously 2013 broke was, out. But I I thought when Albert Pujols left in 2011, I thought we were toast because for a while. I think his contract, Yadier Molina's contract, was up in 12 or 13, 12 or 13. I don't remember exactly. I think they gave him that extension. I want to say going into 12, okay. right after Albert left, and then that was like the first big extension that they I gave. thought. 100% Yadier Molina, best friends of Albert Pujols, would be leaving and joining him in in Los Angeles, in Anaheim, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. I thought for sure he would leave. And I bet if you look back at that now, Yadier Molina could not be happier that he stayed with St. Louis and ha- is having the career that he had because it would be less fanfare out there and probably less opportunity and, and attempts. Do you think the Angels are still running him out there at the, at his age this year? Well, I don't not think to so. mention... Making the playoffs. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> he made the, when another World Series, went to another World Series and in he, 2013. He and Carpenter had a, their, their postseason moments alone are worthy of a red jacket. Right. In those five, six, seven years. Yeah. I mean, the, the postseason moments alone. I mean, if Matt Holiday, we talked about this, Matt Holiday's a red jacket, and I loved Holiday. I know you, we talked, we can debate on how clutch he was. <laughs> it, Holiday didn't have a ton of postseason heroics, really. I mean, not he many had, at all. He had a bug in his ear. Yeah. He or I, yeah. ear. I think it was ear. He yeah. A, and he, he it left was. The game. Yeah, it was a moth or he something. He hurt his pinky, I do believe, in one. Alan, uh, you know who made the last catch of the World Series was, in left field? I was in left field. Alan yes, Craig. Absolutely. Not Matt Holiday. Yeah. Because and, he missed game seven after being injured in game six. I will never live. Matt Holiday will never live that down. <laughs> he in got was injured in Game Six and came out of the game in Game Six of the World Series and then did not play Game Seven. You're gonna love him in about three ish years from now when he's on when the Cardinals staff. Coach. Yeah, and, and these has, guys are. He has another it's like son. McGuire, they're he has tearing a the cover off. Sophomore son, so, you know, obviously the one that just got drafted. Three years. Give me three years. He has another one at sophomore. I thought he had one more below that. I could be wrong. I'm not sure, but I heard the sophomore one. Is even, even bigger, better than this is Jackson. bigger already yeah. than the one that's going in the majors. Must be nice, man. I mean, Matt Holiday's a big dude. Credit to his kids too. I mean, that would be hard, kind of living under like a major league father's or major league, you know, player. Your your dad's well, shadow a little bit. And, and how and many of these guys? Expectations. How many of these guys don't make it? You look at yeah. the basketball and all those types of things. Like they, they, they just can't. What was live it? Them. It was Matheny's kid a couple of years ago. It was a high draft yes. pick, right? And, yes. And it just didn't. It didn't pan out. Yeah, I mean, you get like. Even in basketball, you know, Michael Jordan's son yep. was nothing. Cannot imagine. Was the nothing. Pressure. And, you know, LeBron's son is trying, and he's ranked in, you know, a four-star. Them two are looking pretty good. Yeah. And the other, his second son is bigger yeah, than, already. than the other one. Yeah, so, you know, I think there's just, the pressure has got to be just immense. Oh, yeah. But now Jackson Holiday just signed an $8 million deal he's at good 18 way, man. years old. He's Even if you don't make it. He's got $8 million. You've already made your parents That's proud crazy. of that. Yeah. That's just insane. All right, man. Well, what else you got? I mean, tonight was a a, a flying, but it was a good one. I mean, for us, this short. It was just short for us. One eighteen. Yeah, no big deal. I mean, you got anything else? I mean, you want to? No, I mean, you know, I just wanted to give DeYoung some credit because I've ripped on him for the last year and a half. So again, to go down that long and come back and look, Lars talked about. I saw some quotes in a story because Lars was back down there some with him when, when Lars was going back and forth, and he said, "Man, DeYoung, class act the whole time, as humble as you could be." And just and, and that's was all buying he, a lot of dinners. Yeah, and that's all. I mean, that's all you can ask for him because he could have pouted, he could have gotten pissy, he could have, you know, and he didn't. He just stuck with it. And it's easy to root for a guy like that when they come back up. And there's a reason we want to root for a guy like that. We Absolutely. want to root for Matt Carpenter this year, you know, when and, he's not playing us. And I would like to mention Kyle, our friend uh, with uh, 
Birds on the Black, he talked about whenever he used to post his gifts of of Paul DeYoung hit, getting hits and home runs, the vitriol that would be said about Paul DeYoung in yeah. those. And like, he's a Cardinal and he still is and was then. How can you not root for a guy? You know, whenever he started getting hot in the minors, I'm like, great, he's going to be an awesome trade piece now. That's but I still I thought, wasn't yeah. rooting. I wasn't rooting against the guy. No. Why would you want to root for against the guy? You want him to be as awesome as possible for the team or as a trade piece, no matter what. You want him to not if you were die doing off. That, if you were doing that, you better not have been rooting for him this weekend. <laughs> no when kidding. He won, pretty much won the last you know two games, Friday and then Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I mean without how, those hits, like and. Yeah, I just don't understand that. I mean, I was rooting for the guy because he's. I want him to do well because yeah. if he does well, the Cardinals do well, whether he was traded or whether he's actually in games and hitting like he has been. So, I mean, it's obviously a small sample size. I just hope it keeps going for him. Um, but if it doesn't, you know, he he was able to still make his comeback story at some point, right? Yeah. He was able to get back to to some level, and maybe they figure him out again, and it doesn't go as well, but at least he was able to to kind of bounce back. One thing I did forget about, and you may have forgot about, if you want to talk about briefly or a long time, whatever, Jason Hayward. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the Cubs uh, tonight um, said, I, or leaked, or I don't know how it came out exactly that they will, that Jason Hayward will not play the rest of the season for the Cubs and that they plan to release him in the off season. Parting ways next year. They're just going to pay him 23 million, 23 million, 23 plus. and a half, something yeah. like that to just chill at home. Just to, just to go away. I don't look. I think I look. Jason Hayward has been terrible. He helped them win a World Series, and a lot of people just like him for a speech that he gave. Right? Yeah. I just don't get why you would put that out there. Why not try to trade him and take on half the salary? You know, yeah. as as uh, what's his name, Jed uh, Hoyer? Jed is that Jed, right? Jed Hoyer? I yeah, Jed Hoyer. GM, yeah. So why not say, all right, uh, we'll trade him and we'll take on fifteen million of his salary. You at least take half. If you yeah. take some of it, I don't understand that. That just doesn't make sense to me as a business decision. Maybe they tried, and <laughs> there was just no team that was interested. And I, I could see that I, man with sure. the contract and with him, you know, the injuries the last couple of years. I mean, because the way he's been injured with his legs and stuff, okay. it's like that—that's the value that he brings. He's like Bader. That's you know that it's right. the defense. You're right. He's not a hit guy. So I mean, arguably his best offensive season was. The one we had, right in twenty, what was it? That was that thirteen or fourteen? And he wasn't still very good that year. No, I mean, he was, it was good, like thirteen home he was runs. Good, but his batting line was fine, right? So, in theory, let me ask you this: kind of like we talked about Carpenter and DeYoung earlier, could they send him down? He clears waivers. No one wants him, and then he could go to the minors and maybe work on stuff. No, is that not an option too? Is I mean, he going to pay that kind of money to a guy on that on the roster? Or yeah, I mean, I think that's what it is. I, I mean, a guy like that too, I, I would be surprised if he would do that. I mean, he's, but what he, are the options? If yeah. if you're sent down and you don't get, and you don't have any options, you go on the waivers, and any yeah. team can pick you up, right? But if no yep. team picks you up, then you go back to that minor, you go back to that minor league club, right? Yeah, or or you can do what you can do like Carpenter did, and you can ask for your release, ask for your release, right? But I mean, you're still they're still having to to pay the rest of whatever, no matter what, you. right? Yeah. So he would probably just say, I'm. Just ask for my release. And who knows? Maybe he, maybe, maybe that's what he wanted. Maybe sure. he talked to them that way. It's just for me, I loved it because immediately what I thought of was the quote that he had when he signed yes. with the Cubs is, is, you know, I didn't want to, the Cardinals have an aging core. That was the quote, right? Yes. Aging core. Yachty and Wainwright and Albert, or well, Albert wasn't there, but right. Yachty and Wainwright, you know, they're probably not going to be there anymore. Albert Pujols, folks, has a higher war this season 
than Jason Hayward at 42 years old. And aging core. 10 uh, years older than him. An aging core of Wainwright That's and That's probably Molina. my favorite stat this year so far. But aging core of Wainwright and Molina. Yep. Still playing. Still pr- producing. And producing. And he... On is, a playoff team. Is not going to be on the team anymore this yep. year. I, yeah, I, I just don't understand the move by the by the Cubs to even put that out. Uh, but I also... I also don't get the Cubs fans vitriol towards him either. I have a lot of Cubs friends um, and all they ever said was just win us one and we'll love you forever. You know, anyone will love you. That's all I want. Because he's the only one left. Yeah, but you're one one in my lifetime, right? Just win one in my lifetime and I'll be happy. And I don't, and they kicked out Madden and they, and people hated him down the line. Like there should be a statue of Madden out there. Oh, there yeah. should be a statue of of Jason Hayward in the speech that he gave in the plaque below it because yeah. of what happened and and then now they're all shoved away and then they think that they're you know that they're worth something. You know, the Cubs may never win another one for another hundred years because players see this stuff yeah. and they don't want to go there and and unless it's for the money. Yeah. I all mean, right. the Cubs, I don't know what they're doing right now. They didn't trade Contreras and Ian Happ either. I mean, I like, what do you, I mean, Happ, you've got another year. Yeah. Maybe Contreras, they, I didn't understand. Doesn't make sense. I mean, he, unless you're going to give him a bunch of money and re sign him this offseason, and he wants to be there. I don't know why he he'd want to be there. He said he does want to be there, but he said that during the season, not obviously with any yeah. money in front of him. So let me ask you this. Okay. We're going to just keep on going. Let me ask you this. So uh, we talked about Yachty, and it's, he, it's, an, it's an off day, man. Yeah. It's only 9.30 Central Time. Yeah. What else have we got well, to do? No kidding. So, what are we watching right now? Uh, I give, um, I think I have the Padres game I pulled up on, on there. I just showed Paulie up yeah, there. Padres and Giants just started just here started. in the third. Yeah, so I, I pulled that up. Um, who they have, They're one and four since Soto arrived, by the way. We have a better record than them now. Yeah. Well, I yeah. Think, I think like we half do. a game. By half a game. Them, or, right? Yeah. So, but what was I saying? Oh, Yachty. So we talked about Yachty and Gallegos and what that conversation was. And there's no leadership at the catcher position for next year. And people will say, we'll worry about next year and next year. Do the Cardinals and do fans really consider Wilson Contreras? Listen, okay. I've thought about this more because I had people saying the Cardinals should trade for him. I'm like, not trade. I would never that was trade. Never, that was never, never going to happen. happen. Yeah. Just like Tyler Malley was never going to happen. Yeah, or too Luis, much. Luis Castillo. Yeah, it was in its division. They were never going to do that. Yeah. Now, if you really think that Herrera's not ready, which he get, hasn't gotten a lot of run, he like, hasn't gotten run yet. Like I think, I think eighteen games, which is not much. No, it's not because he, he. Well, they even they even signed Romine instead of giving him Romine. And Romine's st- starting for the Reds now. By the way, I saw him throw out a he guy. Scored, he scored a game. <laughs> uh, go ahead, run the I other night against a guy the out of third. I, th- I saw him throw Yelich out at third, and Yelich was safe, and they reviewed it, yeah. and still was safe yeah. or still was out, but. Yeah, so look, my thing is if, if, if Kisner's clear, clearly not the guy. I mean, he's gotten a lot of run this year. Yes. He's had some his most opportunities he's ever going to get. He's very improved defensively. Yeah. I would give him that. Uh doesn't frame great. Not hitting. No. And clearly cannot have the type of leadership to do what Yachty did with Gallegos. He can't come out and say something like that. Now, Wilson Contreras, I will say I would not hate if we sign him. In fact, I would say he might be the better former Cub in the last 10 years that we should go out and sign. Yeah. So so if we went and signed him to a three- or four-year deal, I would love that a whole lot more than when we signed Dexter Fowler to a five-year deal. I was saying that at the After time. After the fact, the or before. You, the I was, before. He you was the best back. free agent. I was still blogging then. You yeah. can go back. I was I was not for that trade well before, or for that signing well before they did it. Because he, I think he was it, the best available 
yes. at that time. But the Cardinals were still making bad decisions because of Oscar Tavares at the time. Yeah, and it's tough. You're reeling from that. You're trying to you're yeah. trying to get somebody. But Contreras, man, I mean, he's not terrible defensively. What's the big? Let me ask you. What's the biggest hole of the Cardinals in theory as we it's look catcher. at it next year? It's catcher. Like because in and, and are, it, we, are we are we saying Young that falls off? Again. That's my question. Are we saying that as the Young in the last seven days? Or are we saying that in the Young? Going forward, we don't know. I, I where think he is. you see where he's at. I think you see how it goes the rest of this season with the young. I think best case scenario is he's so you're starting shortstop next year and gives you one more DeYoung. good year or like average or, or can hit for power. And then I think the hope is that um Mason wins are starting shortstop in twenty twenty four. I think that would be is the that, hope. Is his run there? Um and I I mean if he's on track with Walker, yeah, Walker's probably a year ahead of him. I he's would got, assume, right? He's got more leeway now with Bader gone, but but Mason Wynn, if he keeps on the track that he is, there's no reason he can't be your starting shortstop in 2024. Yeah, I you know I don't know if you saw Ryan Scholl, and he's a good follow. Uh, the underscore Ryan underscore Scholl. Yes, he's the most optimistic Cardinals fan on Twitter, and oh, yeah. he he's posts, trying to will it. I love Ryan. We have good conversations. Yeah. He's always trying to will the most you know, the Soto or whatever situation yes, into, into being. And, yeah. yeah. And Trey he, Turner, I saw. Today, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, we need to get him on the show. I don't, know, I don't know the guy. I, I we should get him on the show sometime, He's a but good he, guy. he says this off season is, and it's Trey Turner sliding into home. And I just tweeted back at him <laughs> and I said, do you just enjoy pain? You know, this is that. never happening. Like that's the Cardinals are never going to tr- sign Trey Turner or any of some big I would love it if we did sure you would love it but that's kind of like what Dan Buffett was saying earlier the Cardinals when they're close they never no push it over the edge and and get that next guy always the bridesmaid never the bride yeah they never push it over one more spot you know like we need one spot let's hammer that down and really take over this of this you know division or the league or whatever yeah so if so I would I would I think I would have to agree that the biggest hole you know you could say right field as well because that's the weakest point, but you know, obviously Newt is playing well. You have Alec Burleson and that's, that's ready Walker to go. You projecting, have Walker projecting you, I mean, end of next season, probably. You had, you had Danny Mac thinking that, you know, or no Mo or even who was it? Mo or somebody was even saying that I mean, I think it was Katie Wu actually. She was saying like there's like a legit chance that, that Jordan Walkers are not, you know, and on the invite next year. Invite to, to spring training. Yeah. And you know, like like Jordan Hicks did at 20 years old, just impresses so much that you can't not break camp with him. Right now, I think a lot of factors would have to play in that. I think you'd have to see Newt Bar fall off a cliff, right? And him just really struggle because you got to get enough at bats, right? Because you don't want to. You're not going to call up someone that young, and he's he's a uh, right. fourth outfielder. Yes, and and if and if Newt Bar falls off, well, then it should be Alec Burleson get right. the next shot. And if you're not going to give him a shot, then you need to trade him. You need Alec Burleson leads AAA in, in batting average. Yes. So, yes. Yes. And if you're not going to call him up, you need to. We need to trade him for pitching this offseason, right? In some form or fashion for a start, or you know, like, sign a guy on free agency. Yeah. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah. Uh, for now, pitching, I could see us signing Contreras as well before I could trade Turner. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know the numbers and the cost that Contreras is, is was offered from the yeah. Cubs. That's probably out there. What he was offered by I'm the Cubs. Sure. Um, I don't know any of those numbers, but I think my point of this whole round of way of getting here was. He that is the biggest hole of leadership that is so important. I don't think that people really understood what that really meant to the Cardinals. And when Yachty came back, and we could say because Mo made good moves, or we say because Yachty is back in the clubhouse and is there and taking control of the pitching staff from starters to relievers, right? You know, all all the way through. And no one is going to talk to Gallegos like that. That's on the staff on the you know catcher staff now. 
It's yeah. not that's not gonna no. happen. And no one probably can either. You know, I mean so And I, Contreras might not be able to step right in and do that, but but he has respect he right now already because of they Ignati know who are good he friends. Is. I mean, you can tell that they that they have a lot of respect for each other. I mean, Contreras every time he sees Yadi, they come up and they're talking, they're right. hugging. Um, did they both play on Team Puerto Rico? I together? do believe in Javi. I did Javi. Javi was biased yep. on there as well. But. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, that's random news, by the way, too. We're going to see Goldie and Arnado in the World Baseball Classic this spring. Yes. That'll be fun. March, right? I think. And it's in the United States. Thank goodness for both. It, yeah. We're the host country this year. So yeah. there's no traveling that has to be done. That'll uh, be cool. Yeah. So, and, and I thought it was interesting. Jock Peterson. Uh, I haven't seen any more of USA. Harrison, I don't know. Was it Harrison Bader and Jock no, Peterson? No, no, Bader's Bader's That's playing. Bader's playing for um, Israel. Israel. This so year, so yeah. is Jock Peterson. Oh, Jock okay. Peterson I, and, I didn't and Harrison. Okay. And Harrison Bader are both Jewish, apparently. Yeah. And anyone that is Jewish can play for Israel. Stroman, I saw, is playing. I think for Puerto Rico this year, but he was on Team USA last time. Yeah, uh, I his, saw his that. His mom's Puerto Rican. Yeah, I saw that. They said, yeah, because you wouldn't make the team. Is In what mind, people yeah. were saying. You wouldn't make the United States team. He, he's been a lot better this, this this last half. I mean, he since he, he was on the IL, and yeah. after he came off the IL, he's he's pitched after much we better. Rocked him. I was kind of surprised they didn't trade him either because remember he, he has a big. Did big, he have a no trade? That he might have a no trade. He might, but he has a big contract next year. Yeah, he's only on a two year deal, and it's it's a big big contract next year so yeah. they could be dumped he could they could have dumped that and they could still dump it in the offseason because the cubs are still not going to be contending next year either yeah so you know i i just yeah i i enjoy the downfall of the cubs and i hope it keeps on coming to be honest i heard something it might have been on bk today um and we can end with this if you want but we were talking earlier about how great arnado has been and it's been a month and a half now or so i mean he had that rough may after winning april player of the month yes or was it June? Maybe he had a rough June. Whatever, um, yeah, whatever, whatever it was. It was. Yeah. He, he he won Player of the Month. Whatever month Goldie won Player of the Month. He had, he had was a bad. Month. Yeah, but since then, I mean, just uh, unbelievable. Yeah, man, unbelievable. And and the power has been a little lower. He should still get thirty plus home runs. I mean, he's at twenty two right now. He we, should still get thirty plus. He should. And do you think this is a season? And it reminds me a little bit of when uh, Wainwright should have won the Cy Young. I think it was 2012 or 13. It had to have been 12 because Wainwright was hurt in 13. He and Chris Carpenter split votes. Sure. It, actually, that might have been 2010, 20, 2009 or 2010. They split they split Cy Young votes, and Tim Lincecum yeah. won, if you remember, and, and he shouldn't have won. It should have been either Wainwright or, or Chris Carpenter, but they split votes. Do you think we see Arenado and Goldschmidt split votes this year? Well, it, it takes back to MV3. Yeah. One of those guys should have won the MVP. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I think. It, I think that Arenado has to. Austin Riley's probably had a little bit better season offensively. I think at this point, especially power wise, than Arenado. Arenado would have to do a lot more. I think. I think Arenado's probably fifth ish in the in the MVP race right now. Um. Because I saw odds the other day. But leading. Uh, yeah. Baseball and offensive war now. Yeah. But I just barely above Goldschmidt, a tenth of a point. And um. But you know, I saw yesterday the MVP odds and the MVP voting, um, and it's like like they pulled um, yeah. writers and stuff. And Paul Goldschmidt got like twenty seven of the votes, one vote here, one vote there for Betts and Riley. Like it was, it was, the, and you know, no one's not even on that list. So I think he would have to do a lot more um, to be able to to be able to start taking votes away from him, um, because thirty and a and hundred is what Arnado did last year. The difference in his game this year is his average. Well, what did we talk about last year? That that, that that it was 
Well, there was several things we were worried about. We talked about, man, he only hit 255. Yeah. His OBP was 312. Right. He's at 347 on base percentage. He didn't even slug 500. Yeah. He was at 494. Like, what are we seeing? And I told you, I said, you know, Goldschmidt had a rough first year for him. He, Goldschmidt hit like 260 his first year with us. I can't remember where I heard it. They talked about, even though home runs fly like crazy in Colorado, the park is huge. Yeah. And so the alleys are ginormous. Yes. And so you hit for better average there, even though guys yeah. still hit home runs, but the park is very large. Yeah. So the alleys are huge and you hit for better average. So that was when people said, "Is can Arenado hit outside of Colorado? They're not really talking about home runs. They're talking Some about general. Yeah. yeah. They're talking about average. And and that was the biggest worry as him last year hit 255. Yeah. And you had, and he, and he said it's going to be better. It's going to be better. Said, I know it wasn't enough. And he's still going to hit 30 and a hundred, which you look back that's should be where we expect him and what Albert did for 11 years in St. Yeah. Louis. But Albert was, you know, 40, right. Three, four, five years in a row. 40 and, plus. and I think uh, Arnado hit 40 plus a couple times in yeah. Colorado. That's where you expect Paul Goldschmidt to be, obviously, where he is at 26 home runs and he's at 88 ish RBI. Yep. He's going to hit over 30 and 100. Arnado should hit over 30 and 100. It's going to be the on base. It's going to be the, the batting average that moves it up. Um, I think that Arenado has changed his swing of some sort. The the launch angles, I would say out of the last 10. He hits the ball so high. They But he didn't used to. No. There, he, line he had drives. A, he had a very a line like holiday, drive, yeah. holiday, line drive, Coors Field, alley yep. hits, right? In the last 10 home runs, I don't know this to be a fact, but I know the last four for sure have been all over 35 degrees, okay? The average home run is in the in the high 20s, 27, 28, 29 degree launch angle. He's 35, 36, 36, 39 was one, one of them. he hit yesterday and I was there, man. It was, it was, high, it was only 32, one. I think is what it I, looked high. Yeah. Um, but this still was above average, I would say, of of home run because Paul Goldschmidt hit one in, in Cincinnati when I went and I said it was the, the highest home run I'd ever seen. And he did it a long way, but it was off the bat, super, super high. And it was 39 degrees. And it was just like, wow. Yeah. So, like, he, I don't know if he's, if he's changed something because he's like, okay, I know how to hit in this ballpark now. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is in the last. He's been going the other way on two strikes more too. Yeah. Though. We've seen that. We saw that Saturday that base that he had for the single, I think was, it might've been up the middle or toward right field. Um, batting 301 now. Yes. 370 on base percentage. And he doesn't walk a lot. He doesn't. It doesn't walk, doesn't walk a ton, but he's, he's not striking out this year. Right. Now we've said that before. He, he, he is, he can be aggressive first pitch sometimes, which I like, but it can result in a lot of pop ups. Pop-ups. He and, loves and, to pop up. And I'm okay with that. If you're, if you're looking for that fastball, only 55 strikeouts this season, man. Gold, How many walks? Goldie's got 93 K's. Yeah. Now, yeah, like you said, only 39 walks for Arnado, but 370 on base percentage, 551 slugging. In a nine twenty OPS because he a should nine twenty OPS and because I think Paul Goldschmidt's walks are pretty high. Goldie's got fifty four walks, so that's about where I would I think that Arnada should be. But if you think about that, if he's only struck out fifty ish times, which he could get close to that by the end. Of the but year. if he's yeah. but if he's striking if he strikes out fifty ish times yeah. and walks fifty ish times, that's like elite. Yeah, because you don't have guys that strike out less than you walk. Yeah. Juan Soto is one of the guys that does that. Right. But because he walks so much. Right. Um, but like, that's like what you're nowadays where everyone strikes out a ton. That is like an unbelievable stat yeah. to be able to get there. I mean, we're getting, we're getting 2018 Nolan Arna, actually a little bit better than 2018 Nolan Arna right now. And that year he hit 38 home runs, 110 RBIs, 
297 batting average, 374 OBP, 561 slugging, 935 OPS, which is almost very close where he's at right now. Finished third in MVP that year. And I mean, that's he's at a 161 OPS plus right now, and which is insane. His highest, his highest ever in a season was 133 in 2018. He's at 161. Goldschmidt's at 191. Wow, 191. Goldschmidt and the average is 100. Isn't that right? The league average is 100. He's leading. Goldschmidt is leading the NL in batting average, on base percentage, slugging, OPS, and OPS plus. And he's top four in home runs and RBI. Yeah. And, I mean, and he, Arnado's not too far behind him as well in in those categories. I mean, we are it, it and they're and they're it's, both doing it at the same time and right they're now. It's so fun. And they're both probably having career years. Yeah. I oh mean, yeah. Absolutely. Arnado's not hitting as many home runs as he has at That's different times. That's the only times. thing with him. Is yeah. It, and 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 he seems like he could be close to having one of those streaks where yeah. he did it last year, like four or five games in a row. Yeah. Uh, we saw him hit for the cycle last month. Right. I mean, he's he's been everything you could ask for this year. This I year think. is what. You expected what out I hoped of him last, last year, year. Yeah. and I think this year is what you expected out of Paul Goldschmidt the previous four years. Yeah, this will this will be in it. God help us! I, I don't want to jinx him. We're gonna <laughs> knock on wood. No injuries. This will be the first season in four what fourth year now with Goldschmidt. I do believe. No, this is one, two, three. Yeah, fourth season that he would uh, eclipse a hundred RBIs for us. Ninety-seven his first year, COVID season. Didn't he get ninety-nine? We'll ninety-nine last year. Yeah, last year. So. yeah, he didn't play that last game against uh, the Cubs. Yeah. Probably would have got it. I mean, you never know, but yeah, yeah, and and to streak have, was over, and they to sang. have two dudes thirty and hundred. Oh. is is we major. haven't had it since no. the MVP right. or the MV three. We haven't had it, so they've been fantastic. If we can just get O'Neill healthy, get him going. If DeYoung can be just you know what he's been now, I really think the X factor of this team going in the playoffs. And I know you're gonna laugh at me when I say it is Jack coming back. And I say that because well, Hudson's been so bad. It's seventy percent of Jack would be better than Hudson well, as I, your fifth. I, I don't disagree. I think the difference is he is you can't depend on him. No, but you can't. It, he is the X factor of what as the ceiling for the team. Right. Like if Jack is anything close to what he should be. Which uh, Katie Wu reported again today was about he threw a his, bullpen today, but it's all about mechanics were off. Yes. He was he was still hurt. His mechanics were off, and he was overthrowing and over, you know, going through his mechanics. And his is a repeatable. She was talking about how repeatable and re- repetitive he is, right. and that he was getting out of that. So if Jack can be anywhere close to what he was, that's the ceiling of the Cardinals. Because yeah. if you slide him in as a one, two or three starter, and then you got Wayno, Michaelis, or Quintana, or Montgomery. Because I think, I don't know where Quintana and Montgomery land as three fours. Let me throw this scenario out here to you. He, Jack threw a bullpen today. I don't know how that went. I haven't seen any reporting on it yet. But they're hoping he'll be on a rehab assignment by the end of this month, Mm -hmm. in the next two or three weeks. Let's say he makes, he comes back and starts first week of September. And he gets what? How many starts should you get in a month? Three or four, five, something like that. Three ish. I mean, it depends on how many games you. If you're yeah. playing every day, so in theory, there's five games a week, so right. you should rotate. You should get at least four. five, four or five, four. Yeah. Let's say he gets four starts and he's looking really good. Do you think he starts in that first first series in the wild card over I, Montgomery or Quintana? If it goes oh, to a game, you're three. talking about first start or third? The first series, third, it, because it's, if, you, if, it, if it goes to a game three, right? Because obviously, Wayno and Michaelis would be your your first two. I th- I think it's way too soon to say what Montgomery and Quintana are doing, right? Right. I would want to know what they've done the yeah. rest of this time, two of the two months. But, okay, let's yeah. just make it more difficult. Let's say Quintana and Montgomery have gone undefeated right. from now to then. 
and Jack came in and went undefeated in his f- four or five starts. What happens at that point? I think I would Jack, not want to be Marmol. I think Jack, for that decision. I think Jack Flaherty is your, is your best of those three at their at their ceilings yes. at their top. So Montgomery has has the most playoff experience. I think. I mean, Jack's got a little bit. He had yeah. it against the Braves. So you know what I say? You have Jack Flaherty start. You got Montgomery and Quintana ready to go in the bullpen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to David piggy- Price kind of like when he did with Boston. ready to go. Yeah. Whatever needs to go. And you know what? I cannot wait to see David Montgomery. David? Is that right? David? Or Jordan Montgomery. Jordan, Jordan yeah. Montgomery with a beard. He said he's growing a beard. He can't. Yes. His wife, fiance likes his it. Fiance likes the beard. And he's those Yankees wouldn't let him wear it. So he's growing out his beard. There you go. And so hopefully he's, that beard gets him, gets him going and he can now make it through the heat. Of St. Louis, it's looking good, man. I hope I hope we can keep it going. I would love to see a double digit win streak. It would it would go a long way this week in oh, helping bury the Brewers. That would be, and then we have the Brewers very soon this as well. weekend. Yeah, yeah. So like you have to have a double digit and then beat them as well. Uh, next off day, do you know? Next Monday, I think. A, mo- a week from today. Yeah, we'll so be back on here another week. We'll plan on come hang out for another n- nearly two hours. With see, us. we were done at one eighteen. <laughs> do you remember we were done at one eighteen, and then we we just kept going. So yeah, uh, we should be back on a week from today yep. on next Monday on the next night off. I don't know if we'll have any guests because we just burned through three of them tonight, which was a lot of fun. Appreciate to Kyle Peach for jumping on. Uh, appreciate Dan Buffa for ju- jumping on and Brandon Gordon. Yeah. All three of them for giving us some time, 20 minutes each ish. Uh, appreciate that. Follow us at that's a winter podcast and uh, keep following our tweets. Fan is growing. We have more and more followers. We have more and more listens every single week. So yeah. we appreciate it. And uh, sorry to those of you who did not get a Juan Soto jersey. Oh but... man, I feel really good. You know, we need to do something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have some memorabilia in here. I could just give away. I don't yeah. know. Is there anything you see that you want? We could just. I could put that out there. Uh, no, we can start doing predictions maybe for when Jordan Walker gets called up. We'll do a Jordan Walker jersey. Yeah, I don't. Away I'm now. going to Scott Rowland signing a couple weeks. You nice. know, I. I I don't know anything I'd be willing to part with, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Definitely not the Gorman bat and ball. It's right there. Yeah. That's over. Those are those are over there. The Gorman bat and the ball. Um, there's some Mark McGuire plates uh, from his. Oh, nice. Hit, hit from his home vintage. Runs. Vintage from yeah, 13, 40, 60. and I can't see what number that was on that one. But oh, I have all kinds of stuff. We could just start giving it away. Whatever. Auction it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give some away. So, um, more you listen, the more money we actually make because we do make money on uh, from on the actual podcast through Spotify. If you're listening through Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of those, that does help us. And then if we can load up a bunch of money, then I can buy something to be able to give away. How about there that? There you go. Keep on sharing. We'll just come right back to you guys. Yeah, keep on sharing uh, the podcast and with people, and we'll keep on trying to put out as much good stuff as we can. We appreciate you listening, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks. From the belt to the plate, a swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Smith parks one in the right down the line! It may go! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game by the score of 3-2 to on a home run by the Wizard! Swinging a long one in the left field. Adios, goodbye, and maybe that's the winner. A three-run homer by Clark, and the Cardinals lead by the score of seven to five, and they may go to the World Series on that one, folks. One and two.
What a ride! The Cardinals are world champs in 2011.